Any special guests for tonight? Uh, John Strong of Strongware is scheduled to appear. <laughs> and some guy named Stevie Straw. I don't know who this weirdo is, but I'm on I, I see online. We're online. The Circle of Doom. Okie dokie. Go with the intro. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. To Coco Talk, I'm your announcer. And uh, hello, stars. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Are we Hollywood Squares or what? That's right. I'm waiting for my, my squares to pop up on the board. Here we are. Uh, handsome men and all. <laughs> More like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, speaking of hosts, is Grant Leedy going to be joining us or... I, or I guess not. Well, he did All say right. he did say that he was out of the air. He was not. He was away from home tonight. That's why he couldn't stream it. Okay. So I don't know if he's going to be here or not. To tell you the truth. Well, he, uh, Grant Leedy's always streaming, even when we're not on the air. So will that'll be his introduction? Especially when we're on the air. <laughs> Especially when we're on the air. And let's go from uh, the top left on on the board. We tried to build a wall on the Canadian border, but Canada wouldn't pay for it. No Mr. Choice. L. Curtis Boyle. Well, you made it out of ice and it melted over the last summer, so that's why. <laughs> Hi, everyone. And, and Curtis, how are you doing? And do you have any uh, updates as we go around the horn? Uh, no, not really. I'm getting ready for a business trip down to Texas, so I'll be uh, leaving Monday morning, assuming... There's not too much freezing rain. We're supposed to be getting some here, I guess, and right through North and South Dakota over the next day. So I don't know how well that's going to go for my drive. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that, Curtis, the yeah. weather. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to get really cold after that. So I'm hoping that the roads will clear up a bit. And it's actually have plus temperatures here for a bit. So I'm hoping it melts off some of the freezing rain because the rain is supposed to go first. Then it gets into plus temperatures. So I'm hoping it'll kind of clear the roads off, but we'll see. I'll be putting my Canadian winter driving skills to the test. Okay, well, I'm shopping for shorts here in LA, but uh, that's a great update. <laughs> Tom C., our illustrious uh, engineer. How are you doing, uh, Tom, at the big board? Oh, we're doing okay. Just um, trying to keep things on the, on the tracks here. Trying to keep the dump dumpster <laughs> fire to a minimum. <laughs> good luck well, with that. Good, good luck with that. Uh, Tim Franklin, always in the live chat, now live and in person. Tim, uh, how are you doing? And can we ask you a few questions and get to know you a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I finally figured out how to turn this thing on and get my video going. Um, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Great. And what's your, your story with the cocoa and, and how did it begin and, and how did you get to this point? Well, I actually started with a Coco One back when it first came out. Um, 
kind of had the one cocoa for a long time until it finally pooped out on me. Uh, went and updated to a cocoa three. Um, then kind of got bored with it and got married and then divorced and everything went into the closet. And just, uh, I'd say probably about three years ago, I finally decided to dig it out. Actually, what that, what happened was, was I saw Roger Taylor do that, um, Cocoa Pack project. I thought it was cool. So I dug up my, uh, uh, Cocoa and I had done some software for my company, uh, that it was basically a, uh, SD card imaging software. And I kind of hacked it together for Roger and he kind of used it, used it for that, but it was kind of a hack and it didn't quite work too well. <laughs> um, then from that point on, I think I got involved in, uh, Gary Becker's, uh, FPGAs and that kind of started a whole, whole issue with me because now I got like FPA, FPGAs all over the place. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of become a hobby. Um, and then other than that, you know, I, I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, for a company on the south side of Chicago. Uh, we make the machines that make McDonald's hamburgers. Yay, yay. Oh, cool. Yeah, that and uh, all your uh, chicken McNuggets, all made on our machines, uh, Oscar Mayer bacon, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, let's see, what else? Uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I'm a lot of I, keyboard. Yeah, I'm a, musician. I'm a musician also. I play in a band. That's why I'm all usually I'm playing. So uh, you'll be at Coco Fest then, huh? Oh, absolutely. I play guitar. Guitar is my main instrument, and that's why I told, I uh, mentioned to Curtis the other day that I'm going to bring my guitar, and we're going to have a jam session. That's why he's <laughs> yeah, got some keyboards behind him. I'm hoping Paul Thayer can make it out, and we'll get, uh, if Alan Huffman can make it, he plays guitar, too. Well, there you go. Got Stevie on drums. <laughs> yeah, and singing. I don't sing. Yeah. Curtis will Gattis dust off. play some guitar, too, so. <laughs> Curtis, well, you'll dust, dust off your old uh, mullet wigs and throw that on oh no that was natural that wasn't awake back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was vicious rumors uh nick Morota, the man so nice they named him twice how are you nick great. i'm great how are you doing well doing well uh you know you mentioned uh, actually before we got on the call that your original interview there were some things that you forgot to say is anything oh, that, it's more uh, i kind of went off the rails i was talking about mame arcade and stuff i was so nervous i don't know why but uh <laughs> Because we were talking about emulation, and Steve Stroh brought up MAME uh, for emulation. I started talking about how I use MAME for arcade stuff. But uh, yeah, I, know I had a Coco back in the day, a Coco 2, a Coco 1, a Coco 2, and a Coco 3. And I did uh, a lot of programming and a lot of gaming. And uh, it, it inspired my love of computers. I became a software developer, and I, I love tech to this day. So probably a pretty familiar story. Great, great. Well, you, you talked a little bit too much about the main, but uh, other than that, uh, really like that update. Just, <laughs> Thanks. Just, just tease. And I play ukulele too. <laughs> you're talking about musical abilities. Another That's... person for the jam session. There you go. Uh, next up on the panel, uh, if unless his wife calls him to dinner, he'll be here for a while. The master of the 3D printer. John Strong, how are you from Strongware? Oh, not doing too bad. Still a little bit under the weather down here yet, but getting better. And uh, still playing around with uh, joysticks and working on developing those. Uh, remodified it so it actually has got the right and lefty switch on it. And uh, 
So that's feeling pretty nice. Uh, was hoping to have those wired up the demo and didn't quite make it that far. The analog version again, first pass, and these are the other pass of the, the printing, but uh, coming along pretty good. So I uh, hope to have some of this stuff available at CocoFest for people. Cool. And, uh, Great. You know, I've been around Coco for a long time and uh, and been trekking to the Coco Fest uh, since the first one. Didn't make them all, but hey. Great. Well, we're looking forward to that joystick, especially if it has that switch between right and left. And Stevie uh, especially, because maybe he'll actually get past level two now. That's right. <laughs> I still think that's we'll right. have to hack it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, great to have you here, John. And uh, uh, along the the squares, uh, our next square, if you ask him nicely, he'll show you his Python, the writer of Pi Drivewire, Mikey Herman. How are you doing? Hey, Rob, how's it going? I'm uh, doing pretty well. I'm uh, just uh, playing with the jogging uh, over here. So, did you, did you get the video problem fixed? I did. What was the issue? Uh, I don't know exactly what the issue is, but um, uh, it seems like the RF modulator is not working very well. Uh, fortunately, it has the composite video port in the back, so that's working great. Oh, okay. Did you use the, uh, did you use the Stockmaster method for video repair? <laughs> uh, no, I did not uh, beat it. It was very nice to it. <laughs> Carrot versus the stick option. Sounds good. <laughs> Great. Well, glad to have you here, Mikey. Uh, I see that uh, it, next to Ron's got some sunglasses on, so the future must be so bright that he has to wear shades. If Tandy made it, he owns it. How are you doing, Ron? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Hey, uh, I was going through some of my stuff, and I came across my, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you can see it, uh, Greater Toledo Color Computer Club. Um, oh, these oh, yeah. are... Uh, things we used to mail out our newsletter found a whole bunch of them and um they're awesome they have all kinds of um tips tricks and things in there pictures and uh we'll be sharing some of that stuff on my uh Ron's garage if you get a chance to stop by i'll be taking some pictures and putting it up of uh that old stuff from the 80s when uh all we had was the cocoa to uh, do our um we call it the presentation work on and it was pretty crude but uh interesting to read what was going on at the time and how much uh if you wanted to get a hard drive five hundred dollars would get you <laughs> <laughs> not much 20 megabytes <laughs> i remember when it was five meg it was a thousand dollars yeah it's crazy <laughs> Well, some people just dreamed about it. It was probably something I was dreaming about. Um, basically was happy with the 128K when it came out. And then uh, 512K was like, wow. And now it's, we got two meg now, and in some cases, eight meg on our motherboards. That's pretty cool. Great. So we'll look for, look for that being posted on uh, Ron's Garage. Uh, the uh, Toledo Color Computer Club. Mm -hmm. uh, and I see also 
to the right, the man with the apple in the background, Mr. Mark D. Overholzer. How are you doing, Mark? Hello, hello. Is this thing on? <laughs> that was my applause. It was way too much yes. applause for Mark Overholzer. Okay. Sorry about well, that. Thank you. Yeah, long time <laughs> apple guy, short term cocoa guy. Glad to be here. Um, and uh, hey, all, all you're going to volunteer for uh, contributing to the new rainbow, uh, please get your entries in. Uh, we have a couple and expecting a few more. Um, oh, there went one of my news items. <laughs> uh, was it? Good. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, the deadline's anyway. January 31st still? Yes, it is. It is. That was and how weeks. do people contact you uh, to get uh, Facebook, Discord. Uh, you can email me. They can, I'm on the Cocoa mailing list. They can send it to me that way. Smoke Either signals. Way. Oh, yeah. Smoke signals. Yeah, especially in the South. Mm -hmm. As long as they're not <laughs> give me chip smoke. That's, that's uh, <laughs> Blue smoke. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, um, let's see. Other than that, I, I own a bunch of Cocos now. Almost as many as they do apples, strangely enough. <laughs> Hey, now that I'm live, now that I'm live, I have to say hi to Mark. He always says hi to me on on YouTube. Hi, Tim. Hi, Mark. <laughs> and I see uh, a man that I might need some introduction to, but others don't. Uh, Tony Capellini is live on the panel. Tony, I don't hey. know you personally, but uh, how are you doing? How are you doing, I'm Tony? Doing fine. How are you doing? I'm okay. Hey. Uh, it's only the second time I've been on Coco Talk, so uh, I'm kind of a what's the word lurker, New, newbie, <laughs> something like that. Rookie, yeah, all of that stuff. Um, I'm in California, uh, same time zone as Mark. Hey, Mark. Mark and I were at VCF West last year at the same time, but didn't know yeah. it. Yeah, we, we did were probably in the same room at the oh, same well, time. You they know, just I announced that you were down there. You know, it's I, like I. You know, like you jumped into the cocoa again about a month or so before, and it's like I didn't think about Tony. It's like I knew Tim Linder was around somewhere, and I found Mikey. But anyway, Mikey, who's Mikey? Uh, Mikey, uh, Mikey. He's the oh. guy. It's uh, two squares away. You know, Mikey. Is he also two a squares West away? Coaster? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he cool. Yeah. Interview. I believe Mikey likes it. Yes, I do. <laughs> I live in San Jose. No, I'm actually in San Jose. But, no, uh, so am I. Valley area. Yeah, I'm in San Jose too. Homie. Huh? Anyway, Homie. We should all meet up this coming year. Oh, yeah. yeah. They announced the dates, by the way. Yeah. They, yeah. they announced the dates for this year. For VCF West, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the first, first weekend of August again. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, anyway, uh, Rob, uh, I actually I haven't seen your name before either. Are you any relation to the. Inman Brothers, who wrote the book on Coco graphics in assembly language? No, I think you're referring to Don Inman. Don yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know Kurt. Uh, I, uh, I will say no, because that would be the truth. But if I come up with a better story someday, maybe I'll change that. <laughs> but no, no, there's no relation to uh, the Inman Brothers. Okay. Um. And if you want to make, if you want to win our game, Tony, uh, Mikey is to, diagonally to your left. As you know, you can win the Hollywood Squares uh, from the top, uh, from the side, or diagonally. John Laurie, who works at Apple, Howdy. but loves the cocoa, 
John, how are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, got into the cocoa uh, when I was about 18. I had a couple of friends who were into the cocoa. I was actually into the Model 1 at the time, uh, but they kind of introduced me to the cocoa, and uh, I also worked for Radio Shack back in those days. So I had a lot of uh, access to them. And, uh, you know, eventually bought a cocoa. And uh, uh, after I got, you know, the PC came along and time went by and uh, I kind of bumped into emulation and kind of got back into the cocoa through emulation and, uh, you know, snooping around on the Internet, finding groups and things like this here. And uh, do you have one now? uh, Right now? No, I don't. I actually had given away a full Coco 3 multi-pack interface, um, RS-232 interface. I had pretty much all kinds of stuff. Uh, never had the X-pad, but, <laughs> you know, as far as, uh, you know, I had a two-disc system, disc controller, uh, RS-232 pack, multi-pack, Coco 3, which was 128, I think. I'm not sure if I had upgraded to 512. I don't think I had a 512 unit. And... Uh, you know, after many years had gone by, it was just sitting in the corner collecting dust. I had never had it set up or used it, so I wound up giving it to a, a friend of mine who had young children, and I thought it would be good for them to, uh, you know, to get some use out of it and learn about computers a little bit. So I had I gave it away many years ago, which I regret regret now. Yep. <laughs> You're telling my story, man. <laughs> Those kids are grown up now. They are. Yes, yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Who knew that we'd be talking about this thing in 30 years? You know, it's like right. we have no idea. I still have my Model One. I didn't give that away yet. <laughs> Are you planning on getting a real Coco Three in the future again? Or? Yeah, I'm uh, actually saving up to buy a house. But once that's done, uh, I can start buying toys and Coco Three. I can't 3. believe you're prioritizing a house over a Coco. Uh, you know, a, a Coco is just a little bit cheaper. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also be the place to store his cocos really and if you get one, a just a one meg upgrade you can actually use it as a heater for your your house too so <laughs> sounds good but yeah uh, actually Nick's right there about the the, the house too because I do want to have like an entire room because uh, well you know I have a PC I have a Mac and then I have two other Macs that I use for work that don't belong to me but I have possession of uh, and I have, you know, I want to have a color computer. I have the Model 1, and I bought one of those little uh, uh, Maximite, which I believe Nick has written some software for. Yeah. And uh, Vegemite? What? <laughs> Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, that was a Vegemite. Yeah, that's the Australian version. <laughs> that's a vegetarian version of that. Yeah. So when you added up all these computers that I have, uh, uh, I definitely want to have a, you know, a computer room where I can not only work, but then, you know, have all my computers set up. So I'm envisioning like a, just building a desk around the whole room and having everything set up. It's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, our also on the panel is terrifying program. Omnistar has recently become self-aware. You can pick up his book, my adventures with Marty Goodman, a memoir. Now in paperback, Mr. Rick Adams. Lies, all lies. <laughs> How are you, much Rick? going on here. I thought hey, you were just fine. 
I'm not sure. Omnistar is if Omnistar isn't self-aware, where what is the latest status? Uh, nothing much is happening with any of my projects right now, because I've just been getting over some health problems. So, uh, uh, minor things, but I'm hoping to get back into it soon. So, get well soon. Okay. That's right. Updates later. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So you caught an Omni Omni Star virus, did you? <laughs> 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 On the panel, also, Mr. Mark B. Mark B., how are you doing? Oh, just fine. I had to go pick up the wife from the airport, so a little late today. And where's is the wife leaving or coming back? Coming back. <laughs> you, sound, you sound disappointed. <laughs> you get him in trouble. <laughs> Don't say it. Yeah, I wouldn't answer that live on the air. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's new. Oh. Hey, got anything new, else? New acquisitions this week. Well, Shirts came in. Nice. And the mini mug. Oh. Oh, cool. You went all out. Yeah. All right. I'll be using that exact same mug on my trip, actually. You know, you keep buying stuff like that. Uh, Stevie will be back. <laughs> well, I better quit then, huh? <laughs> yeah, what's the return policy? <laughs> oh, is Stevie doing a shutdown until he gets his uh, the money he wants? Is that what the deal is? <laughs> That's what we heard. Did we hear that? <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that works out really well. Five yeah, billion really dollars is asking for, right? Build that wall. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the politics, guys. <laughs> no problem. It's beyond politics at some point. It's just funny. Uh, OS9, the, the man who was involved uh, from the very beginning, I'm now I'm just not sure how much. It, I'm going to turn it over to Bill Noble because he needs to talk. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hey, Bill. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> you How's were involved, everybody? though, with, with Nitrous 09 from the very beginning. Yeah. Yes, I was. Actually, he was into it uh, a good week or two before I was, because I didn't think he could do it. <laughs> uh -huh. And then he proved me wrong, and then I joined. Anything going on with you, Bill, uh, personally, professionally, Nitrous 09, ease of use? Oh, yeah. Definitely is going on. Got a new boot editor coming. That's mm. going to be, like, as they say, ease of use. <laughs> Yeah, and full GUI for it too, right? Yep. Mm. Awesome. Great. Will we have a in a in, a, in another show? Will we have a demonstration? Uh, it's going to be a little bit for demonstration wise, but Curtis got to see a screenshot. Yep. Early prototype, I guess you'd call it, or yeah, very early prototype. Yeah, it's a pretty Just big getting... project. I mean, it's it, the reason that nobody's ever made a fully ease of use GUI to, to make a boot file editor is because it gets a bit complicated. And uh, with stuff like DriveWire, which kind of mixes and matches stuff across file managers and things, it's actually more complicated than it was back in the day. So Bill's got to make sure that everything works nice and cleanly and easily, and it makes sure that it links everything properly so you're not accidentally matching a wrong driver with a wrong descriptor and stuff. So he's going to make it ease of use and idiot proof. Mm. 
Well, that's a toughie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Iran. <laughs> I'm one of the idiots that'll test it for you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Monkey on the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> well, my biggest problem right now is classifying dry wire because it's so broad, it's not even really one particular thing in hardware or software. No, I mean, it's it's like literally, it's like a virtual window file manager. It's a MIDI driver. It's a serial port driver. It's a drive, hard drive and floppy drive, both simulator. It's, yeah, it's really hard to classify that and which features you want, et cetera. That's why I didn't tackle them. I'm letting you do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's just a network transport with multiple protocols. Well, I'm calling it a remote system right now. Yeah, it's pretty accurate because that covers pretty well all the things it does in a very broad sense. And, and Mikey has a flavor of it, huh? Yeah, Pi Drive layer. Mm -hmm. Mikey, I can't remember. Are you doing extensions to DriveWire too? There was some talk of that at some point of adding some things to it. Uh, I added uh, the next version of PyDrive where it's going to have a web server that you can use to control it. But uh, I haven't, I mean, uh, my server definitely does things differently than the Java one uh, in, cer in certain areas. So I don't know if you'll call those extensions, um, but kind of, sort of. Okay. Well, make, make sure you keep Bill abreast of anything, like if you add new protocols or new things to it so that he can make sure that gets covered in his editor. Cool things coming, huh? Yep. Awesome. In the live chat, uh, Al Hartman from Jersey is here. He he says uh, at the beginning, before the show started, I hear the train in the distance. I think referring to the train wreck that's coming. Thank you, Al, for joining. Retro Innovations is trolling from his lair. Uh, he says as so usual. much for as usual. So much for constructive, intelligent discourse this evening. He says harumph, and also Jim's, if it weren't for the single day of horrid squawking from the channel on Saturday, it would be bliss. <laughs> 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 so our apologies go out to, to Jim Brain at Retro. Yeah, we don't apologize for that at all. We like driving him nuts. <laughs> as well as Chad Cunningham from Cunnington from Down Under, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Chris Cromwell, uh, Al Hartman, Retro Innovations, James Jones, and Adam Coolidge. So welcome everybody in the live chat. I uh, wanted to introduce a man that puts, how does it feel, I'm still believing, into the national lexicon from our friends at the North, uh, D, Bruce Moore. How are you, D? Well, I uh, somehow managed to stay in my house uh, for 24 hours, and uh, I'm just waiting for the, the ice to come off the windows, and uh, I'll, I'll branch out tomorrow, I think. Uh -huh. Just wait yeah. till you see what's coming. <laughs> yeah, the freezing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bill and Curtis, they, they give me fair warning of what's on its way. What is it now? <laughs> like, ice storm, is it, or what? <laughs> uh, well, um, it's snowing right now. We're supposed to get 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts and then freezing rain tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just another 10 your way. 
Curtis, you need a sail on your car when you take it. How off. does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm free <Still> freezing. <laughs> Where's Stevie? I need a hero. There you go. <laughs> to shovel my snow. I need a heater. Group song. Everybody. Or a heater, sing. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Hey, Thanks. Doing doing good. Any any update? Is Coco Forever? Is that uh, in the can? Uh, are we moving on to other things? Do yeah, we well, Coco on? Forever is is season complete. So to find out how it could have been, how it should have been, all that stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, moving okay, on. I well, there's a, I got the a little. What's that? I just picked up the entire season. So. Oh, great! Right on, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, um, I guess my latest little project. I hope will end up airing on the show today. So. Oh, okay. How's that Sunday years doing? Oh, Jacob's good. Yeah, yeah. He was working on Rampage the other day. Uh, Pop star pilot's too easy for him now. So, <laughs> how's he doing on Contras? Contras? Ah, uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I think maybe the buggy, the bugs of it were giving him trouble or something. Yeah, that does have a few places where it can crash. Yeah, yeah. He kind of moved on from that one, but uh, but right, yeah. Rampage. He's he, the thing is for him to get a high score on Rampage. He, he well, no, I don't know what it takes to get a high score, but he can literally play it for six hours straight if he if he doesn't you know run out of steam. So, wow, yeah, awesome, yeah, talent, yeah. Oh, well, he, he also got some inside <laughs> tips from the developer uh, at last Coco Fest, so that was pretty handy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That kind of stuff never seems to help Steve, so that, that still gives. Problems. Well, okay. <laughs> Steve has to listen, though. Oh, right. <laughs> Silly me. Well, uh, hey, that's Grant Leedy down at the bottom there. Look. Oh, the, the internet's own. Wow. Grant Leedy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey, thanks, Grant, for being on time for the show. Oh, yeah. Ah, you, ah, no, well, appreciate that. no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to take a potty break or something first? Is that what happened? Or? <laughs> Are you the holder of that uh, dinosaur um, spread there? Dino Wars? Yeah, is that yours? No, that is not mine. I don't know whose that was. Uh, Jason Coco Man might know, uh, but it was definitely not mine. It was donated to Dino Wars the Musical, I believe, uh, <laughs> touring now off Broadway. Down so under. I will, so oh. I will try my hardest not to uh, pee live on the show today. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for the consideration. Right. Don't make them laugh too hard then. <laughs> you by depends. <laughs> Will he pee? Depends. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Coming is live, live from his box seats down at the Australian Open, uh, Mr. the inventor of uh, cosmic aliens right behind me, Mr. Nicholas Morentes. How are you, Nick? Good everyone. Not too bad. I've been uh, busy uh, doing a fair bit of programming lately. Did a bit more work on my Gunstar, and I think I've uploaded two blog updates in the last week, week and a half. And I, I've got uh, another one coming up very soon, maybe even after this show. But uh, later on in Core Dump, I've made a video as well, so I will show that so you can actually see what I've done rather than 
hear what I've done or read what I've done. You can actually see what I've done so far. So we'll put that on later. You've been motivated right. lately, huh? Yeah, yeah. Good. So. And we can say, look at what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you hear this sound. That's right. That's, that's what right. I've done. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not done until the paperwork's finished. <laughs> Sign here. <laughs> that's what you do do. <laughs> you said doo-doo. I said doo-doo. That's right. No, Jason no. Reichardt, the Coco Man, you've invented so many things and named them after Australian uh, uh, products. Uh, what's, uh, what's up next for you in product oh. naming? Product naming. Well, I think I'm going to stick with the Australian-sounding names. Why not? Uh, you, you, you make one bad joke, you, you just uh, then you got to just stick with it. But, uh, so when is the didgeridoo coming out? Well, it'll come out as soon as I figure out what the heck it is. <laughs> I think it's some sort of sound card option. Uh, yeah. well, the didgeridoo is going to be a sound card option, but you have to put your own wax paper in it. <laughs> you have to blow into it to make it work. Do you put a yeah. Cuban in the end? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's just going to be a rebranded kazoo, maybe. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the, you know, uh, just just keep, you know, uh, just, uh, well, of course, you know, real life's gotten in the way lately, but uh, just keeping up the switcheroos and the wallabies. Not sure what's next, but uh, I know uh, this this year will be my second Cocoa Fest. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that's but you were, it right now. You were at <laughs> Pen, Pen Fest, weren't you? I was at PenFest in 99 and 2000, and uh, this uh, this past year at, um, you know, at where well, uh, Nick was there, too. And then uh, this, this past year was at uh, Tandy Assembly and Cocoa Fest. And if we want to go through the whole thing, as seen in the world of 68 micros and uh, D&D software. Hey, Jason, you know that stuff they use to um, retrobrite or whatever? Why not uh, package that in a container and make it like Vegemite, and then, you know? Well, the thing with that is, it doesn't go to like a uh, like sal uh, one of those beauty supply stores, and you can get it already. It's it's got a name, well, it's already pre-made, and uh, you know that's kind of one of those things. I haven't tried it myself, but uh, it's kind of one of those things where your mileage may vary, and uh, it's great for the teeth. Oh. Well, all that peroxide, I think it would be. It'll turn your fingers white. Oh, yeah. I definitely would recommend wearing gloves. I mean, it's basically high, a high concentration of uh, hydrogen peroxide. And uh, the stuff that you can get at the beauty supply, like Sally's Beauty Supply or one of those type of places, it's, I guess it's kind of like a cream. It's like a creamy peroxide that, uh, that sticks to it better. Otherwise, you would, if you're using just the liquid stuff, you'd have to submerge it. From what I've heard, like I said, I, I don't have any personal experience with it yet. And, uh, but uh, may, maybe, maybe when I fix my original cocoa that I have back from when I got as a kid in 1984, my original cocoa too, maybe, maybe once I get that electronically sound, maybe I'll think about retrowriting it and uh, do a full rest restoration on it and a cocoa VGA and that sort of thing. But, uh, we'll see. Nick Morentes is uh, Vegemite. What color is it? 
black. Oh, so that wouldn't it's work. It's the opposite. It's a, it's a yeah. It's an anti-retro bright. Okay. Hey, Jason. <laughs> Uh, Javier down in Florida is an, uh, the Apple expert on retrobriting, so pick his brain. Who yeah, is that? The... Javier. Javier down in Florida. Oh, Javier. Okay, yeah, I my my connection broke up a little bit, <laughs> so okay. Yeah, ha Javier is the Apple retrobriting expert. Ask him. And the the yeah. guy has has some good videos where he's tried different yes. techniques. I, I've seen some tech and some of his techniques. Some of some things turned out well. Some things didn't turn out so good. So uh. yeah, in one case he used gas, but that didn't well, do anything. Yeah, Grant Leedy has tried that approach. <laughs> Hasn't uh, worked out. Methane, gasoline, gas, gas and sunlight. Gasoline, you mean? No, gas is in clear. Natural gas. <laughs> Very organic. It's either ionic or something. Kind no, of no, 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 no. Hold on here. Hold on here. It wasn't me. Yeah, was some, somebody normal. look it up. Oh. Bionic gas. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's... It is, well, it is after dark, and uh, I did miss a few people in the live chat. Joe Burnett, just wanted to say hello to you, Joe. Uh, as well as there's somebody else I missed. Matchy Games. I don't know Matchy Games. Uh, perhaps Matchy Games, you want to say a few things about yourself in the chat, uh, get to know you. And. Oh, it's ozone. That's what ozone is. is the gas, yes. Yeah. Okay, so not gasoline or petrol as it's referred to some places. I think that would just melt it. Well, gasoline and a match will do a bright light. <laughs> <laughs> and a tan. You'll get a tan. <laughs> Tested on a Commodore 64 first. There you go. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't have too much news uh, uh, for, my, for myself. I'm very interested in to hear Nick's uh, Marinta's updates later. On Gunstar, I know part of Gunstar was uh, a, a kind of a cosmic amb ambush part two, or a redoing kind of that that type of uh, scrolling. Um, I've also watched an, uh, the Epic Guy did a Timex Sinclair part one. Uh, I think that just premiered last night, and I watched that, so that that'd be pretty interesting. If anyone wants to take a look at that. Um, and, um, where should we go from here, Curtis? Well, if you want to do news, we can do that next, but since there's quite a bit of it this time, because we didn't do any last week, <clears throat> I don't know if you want to do a commercial break first. I'll ask my engineer, Tom C. Tom C., do we have commercials? Sure, we do actually have, do have commercials this time. Tommy, baby, help us out. All right. The professional show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Tommy right. Bag of Donuts. Here it comes. <laughs> hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Get ready. 
What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. Me, me turn you to call, call, talk. And we're back. I don't know what happened to Rob, but there, there he is. I'm here. Hey, so do you want to cover some news? Let's do it. Okay, I probably missed some. I'll just put a disclaimer up front here. I probably missed some of the, the news stories from the last two weeks here because I had some other stuff to do today, but... Uh... And I've got some here that don't really have links per se that I, I'll probably just run through those first and then I'll start going through the ones where I share the screen. So the first one without a link. Um, this was actually interesting because I'd never really thought about this before, but uh, John Linville mentioned on the Coco Crew group on Facebook that the new video versions they've been doing of the uh, Coco Crew podcast, which is basically just showing a screen with the, uh, the links and the show notes and then uh, you know, having a little waveform and stuff going across. YouTube has this automatic closed captioning function if you click the CC button on YouTube and it'll actually will then print the text on it uh, of everything that's being said. And actually that works fine on Coco Talk as well. So if any of you need to uh, try to watch it with you say your significant other not wanting to hear us all blather for three hours, you can now do it silently uh, with the video. So I thought that was kind of cool. Has anybody else tried that or? I do notice that occasionally figures out words a little bit off. <laughs> Curtis, are we, uh, are you sharing your screen or are we? No, I'm going to go through the stories that don't have any screenshots. Oh, to go I gotcha. At this point. So, sorry. <clears throat> uh, the, another one was uh, Mark and Mark already mentioned this too, that uh, getting article submissions for the new Rainbow Magazine, how to get them. The jet deadline is January 31st. I think you've already got some articles already. Is that true, Mark? Mark's still there. Sorry, I stepped away for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do have a couple of them already. But I'm okay. waiting for more. Also, I got a late entry from Paul Thayer. So. Oh, cool. Otis. Sounds good. But anyway, anybody else who's thinking of doing an article, the deadline's rapidly approaching. I mean, less than a week. So get them in as yep. soon as you can. Get them in. And speaking of uh, articles, uh, Chet Simpson uh, uploaded to the, uh, the Cocoa Archive. He uploaded a bunch of the Princeton... Uh, Coco Listserv, which is the original Coco List shared group from Princeton University, but I used to read quite a bit when I was younger too. Uh, he uploaded a bunch from 93 to 96, and then Aguilar Major, who actually hosts the Coco Archive, uh, uploaded some for the other years from the Princeton Coco Listserv, and he also did some for the old Delphi and CompuServe stuff. So there's a whole bunch of text messages from a whole bunch of us that were involved in the community back in the 90s. Uh, if you want to see some like history of stuff that went on in general chat and stuff too, so. 
that's pretty cool. I, I went and did a kind of a vanity search there and found a few blatherings of my own kind in there too. So that was kind of cool, but definitely go check out. There's a lot of history in there. Um, I won't show the link for this. It's just kind of an active discussion on Facebook uh, in the Cocoa Group. Uh, Tim Locke, who's in Europe, I believe, was asking which countries the Cocoa was sold into. And I know that Cocoa 1 and 2 was in more countries than the Cocoa 3. Uh, Intertan, for some reason, didn't sell the Cocoa 3 in as many countries. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that was. But so far as for the Cocoa 1 and 2, the ones that have been confirmed by people that have actually lived or bought them in these countries has been Canada, the United States, the UK, England, et cetera, Australia, France, Argentina, Netherlands, Germany, and Peru. Does anybody else in the panel know any other countries that have officially sold the Color Computer 1, 2, or 3? Uruguay. <laughs> Maybe New Zealand. Tasmania? Well, <laughs> <laughs> is this including some of the clones that were that were sold? Uh, there has been some discussion of the clones in there, but I think his original question was just on the actual original ones. So, like, I know some of Europe did and some of Europe didn't, so I'm not sure exactly. That would be an interesting question you know, to me, too, because I'm not sure exactly how many officially sold the Cocos from Tandy Radio Shack and how many just did the clone thing. Like, Brazil, I think, only had clones. Is that correct? I don't think they actually had an official Radio yeah, Shack. I think so. I think it was like a CP400 or something like that. Brazil has very interesting laws on uh, <laughs> uh, how they, uh, uh, kind of like China is now about, you know, uh, respecting uh, rights. And also they had very high tariffs. So basically what happened is that certain companies would import things. They, so well, there's a company, uh, Unitron, I think, and that even cloned the original Macintosh, <laughs> quite literally. But, yeah. yeah, and we've had some of those Cocoa clones on the show before. We've shown yeah. some people that are down there. So Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. There's like a half dozen of them. And then I guess one I hadn't seen before, there's one from Eastern Europe, too. came from Yugoslavia. So oh, I didn't know that one either. Uh, it's on the uh, story on Facebook uh, when they were asking. So somebody posted a picture. So I was like, okay. cool. I did not catch that before. Okay, do I have anything else here? Uh, I will mention that James Jones, who actually worked in Microware, uh, including at the time that they were still doing Kogel development. I can't remember if he had any specific uh, relationship with the Kogel. I think he was doing more 68K stuff. But he posted a couple articles on Basecode 9 and the uh, Nitrous 9 Facebook group. I, I'm not going to put the links up just because you can go read them yourselves there. And there's, there's multiple ones. He had one on the RS-DOS OS 9 divide, which is something I and, and me and Bill quite well know from the 90s. Um, because at that time, almost all the new development for the Cocoa was being done under OS 9 and Nitrous 9 and PowerBoost. And RS-DOS had kind of fallen you know, to the wayside somewhat. And it's kind of almost the opposite now. Uh, there's so many new games and stuff and other programs coming up for disk extended basic now so it's, it keeps flip-flopping back and forth depending what time period you're in yes uh, and then he had another one on wishes for basic which is some things that he would like to have added to basic to make it a bit more modern of a language i'm in the process of disassembling and optimizing basic as it is but i i'm i have no source code for it so i'm trying to figure it out myself and it's a 24k machine language program so it's it's fairly complex, and I'm not used to lo looking at an actual language, the source code to a language, I guess. So it's it's pretty slow going. I'm just kind of doing it in bursts as I do other stuff with ease of use. So if I ever get to the point where it's mostly commented and it's as optimized as I want to bother making it, 
then I'll probably just pass it off onto the repository and then anybody else who is a bit more familiar with working with making programming languages wants to tackle it and add some of these features or some of their own features they want to add, then I will invite people to do so. But that's that's a long ways off before I get that even close to being done. Um, and then one other one I'll mention here that was done in the OS9, Nitrous 9 page on the group as well is that Stephen Fisher has released his OS9 colorful sled text editor, which is based on the original sled from was it 1988 or something? I, Bill and I used to use it way back in the day too. Uh, but he did some extensions to it. So other people have done some extensions to it as well, but his actually supports the 106 column graphics mode and it has a fair bit of extensive stuff added to it compared to the original. So it looks pretty good. He also uploaded some documentation of some of the features and what key presses do what. So you can go check that out too. It's on the Facebook uh, page? Yeah, Facebook Nitrous 9 page, yeah. And he's, he's got a couple different messages. One has like the instructions and the other has the program. It's a screenshot. And... and I think that's it for the ones that I'm not going to bother with screen shares. Oh, I guess this one more. Um, Chet Simpson uh, posted up what he was trying to amalgamate a list of all the different sound card solutions that we have now because <laughs> as, as we know, there's quite a few new ones coming out and we've also rediscovered some old ones that a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, and his current list, at least is one I had to check this morning, uh, cassette audio input, that's an option that's using the audio on command, which basically means you can play anything. Um, the built-in six-bit DAC and one-bit PIA audio, so every Coco has that. Uh, the Orchestra 90 pack, which is two 8-bit DACs, but otherwise a dumb card. Uh, the Coco DAC 16 with two 8-bit DACs. The St Speech System Stereo Pack, which is two 8-bit DACs. The Tandy Speech and Sound Cartridge, which is using an AY3-8913 chip and also has a voice synthesis. Um, Tony DiStefano, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, from Disto, had one called the TOTS Sound Card with the AY3-8910 that he actually published how to make the board in the September 1983 rainbow, which is the same rainbow that the Coco 164K and the Coco 2 were first announced in. Um, Another one that Chet's been very interested in, Bill used to own, is the Symphony 12, which is four of those AY38910 chips. It was a 16 voice. You had four noise channels and 12 voices, and you actually could support, you know, like full symphony type stuff, which is why they named it that way. Uh, there's also the yeah, Philharmonic 12, which is basically something. So go ahead, Bill. Oh, I just said it was good. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when you when we had that little demo with them all there and the Atari ST guys were bringing stuff, you know, playing MIDI stuff, and then you cranked up your Symphony 12 and drowned them out. And the Coco had enough bandwidth to drive all those audio channels at the same time? Yeah, these are sound yeah. chips, like dedicated sound chips, so you don't have to right. program, like, the DAC every, you know, if you want to do it. Not real time. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> send it the notes and what the waveforms are, and then it plays it on its own. But it had four of the chips in there, so you were programming all four. Basically, four speech sound packs combined, minus the voice. Uh, the Game Master cartridge, which has an SN7649, that's uh, John Linville's and Retro Tinker. Uh, Coco PSG with the YM2149 EY38910. Uh, Mega Mini MPI from Ed Snyder with the YM262M. Sur Sound, <laughs> the serial port based one from Alan Huffman, which has the SN7649 chip as well. And then there's uh, a couple of the speech, or sorry, not speech, the uh, MIDI packs. There's a speech systems Coco MIDI interface, the Rutherford Research MIDI pack. Um, I know there was hacks to do on the RS-232 pack itself where you could change the clock crystal to get it to do a MIDI compatible speed serial port. You could drive a MIDI synth directly from that too. 
And I can't remember which one. Was it the Rilford Research or was it a different one? Um, MIDI Kester or something? I can't remember. It actually had the MIDI in and out. So you could actually program the keyboard to record on the Coco as well as just program the synthesizer itself. So you can go both directions. And then the new one that just got announced, it's a little bit later in the news, we'll show a little bit more too, is the new MP3 player program pack that Ed Snyder's doing where he's actually got a hardware MP3 decoding chip on there and you can basically have the Coco queue up and, and play MP3 files. So which I think is pretty cool. Very cool. Okay, now I'll start getting his tabs here and share my screen. The ironic thing being an MP3 will not fit in RAM. Well, I don't think you really need to though because basically that card will handle its own. You just send Oh, no, no, it. I know. I think it's funny. I just think it's funny how little RAM it has uh, compared to what we're used to today. Yeah, though, to be honest, most MP3s would fit on the uh, 8 meg board that uh, Jim Brain's doing. Yes. One song at a time, maybe two, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool that Chet's trying to create a development environment so you can program for all of those at once. Yeah. I wasn't mocking, by the way. I just think it's funny how uh, things have changed in the last 30 years. <laughs> Or that we need more than 640k. That's right. That's the way up. Yeah. I don't on the sound because it's also one of my interests, though I'm not a musician. And uh, the, uh, the possibility of developing a cross-platform development is very uh, highly doable by the fact that the, uh, the, the TI and the John, are you quite far away from your mic? Because you seem to be really quiet. Thank you. Thank Sorry. You. There. Let me try it again. Okay. It's, it's a very similar technology used in the two jets. And then if you want to abstract, you know, items for music, then you can abstract it to notes and just do, you know, play from there. And that makes it even easier to make a common platform. Uh, I think, you know, as far as music, it's pretty well doable. Um, you know, sound effects is where they're going to start to really differ. Yeah. You know, if you want to do some kind of, you know, in-game sound effects and stuff, then you're going to have a, a lot of difference, you know, going in there because they start to handle it. Again, the, the TI chip and the uh, AY are similar enough to do so. Um, a, a side comment, the, the Sur Sound is actually a spin-off idea of a, a development system that uh, Alan and I was playing with to develop things and said, well, hey, let's just add a serial port to this for the sound. So, uh, so Yeah, that way it doesn't take up a cartridge slot. You don't have to do modifications to the Cocos, so just plug and, plug and play. Basically. Yeah, it was the idea to, to do that, you know, and, and uh, so... Uh, basically, I'd hacked together something from the web that drove the, the chip so we could hear the sound. He had, excuse me, Arduino system. And so he could play it back. So, hey, I want to hook the serial port to it. Let's go for it. And uh, so, yeah, he's doing software for that. Adding some extra features to that is, you know, uh, tack, decay, sustain, and release can be done in the software with it. And that's one reason that it helps sound better. And they can also be done with the AY chips, okay? 
And uh, so there's uh, a great possibility of doing this stuff, you know, to make things as a common. The you know only thing I want to caution people, you know, the more things you do, you know, the, you've got to focus on the common areas. So you're going to miss some of the spatial features, most likely. Okay. And that's not saying anything against Jet. He may figure a way out to to include all those spatial features, but uh, you know, it's just not going to be common. So you know, just because you can make one kind of sound effect in one chip doesn't mean you can create the same on another. Yeah, or you might have to have alternate sounds for different outputs and stuff like that too. Exactly. And speaking of, of music, since we're kind of on the subject too, I just noticed Brian Schubring's online, and he's he's kind of the MIDI man. So uh, Brian, do you remember which which one of the MIDI packs did the MIDI pass through and the and the MIDI in and MIDI out so that you could actually record live playing on the keyboard and stuff? And you hopped on mute. Um. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me right now? Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Good. Okay. Yeah, um, it's the Rutherford. Uh, that's the one that the Glenside uh, redid. I did the uh, board on that, and I added the uh, in-out so that you can both uh, bring it in and out. And that, and it was uh, Coco MIDI Pro. I think it was an Aristos-based uh, program that you could actually record MIDI on. Um, Mike Carey from uh, Prospect, Tennessee. I don't know if you remember back in the day at the Holiday Inn when we had that whole big setup and all that. Yeah, you're just doing that. He did that, and he also built uh, the MIDI pack into a Coco because he converted regular pianos into MIDI player pianos, and he used the Coco to actually test the installations. Oh, cool! I didn't know that part. Yeah. Now, is that is that board still being made by Glenside, or do you guys still have any in stock? No, those are gone. I still have the um, all the artwork. Sorry. Sorry, that was for James. <laughs> <laughs> it was a train wreck. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw the uh, all the artwork and everything, so we could do it again. But uh, with everything coming out, I don't know if that would really be necessary, especially if you go with some of the uh, sound chips that um, could be used also with uh, um, for MIDI pass through. I think. And something um, you can actually do the samples too, which basically basically yeah. duplicate a MIDI at, at that point. No, I'm just wondering if you guys had still yeah. some in stock there, if anybody was interested in them. Yeah. Uh, got, gentlemen, I, yeah, I've I've got got the one. Go ahead. Brian. Okay. All right. No, I, I, I've got the schematics. They're actually out there on that. And it's really pretty simple to set, set up. And you can actually build it into the color computer and just attach right there to the bus. It takes the uh, T3 spot in addressing, and then it's always there. Okay. <laughs> there, bonus material for you. <laughs> All right, I can start going through the news stories here now um, with screen share if you can let me screen. There we go. No, it's waiting for me. It says I cannot share the screen yet. <laughs> Try now. Ah, there we go. First we get audio, now we get video. <laughs> okay, can you guys see that? I see it. Yes. yes. 
Yes. Okay. It's yep. in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pear Surratt and uh, what's the other guy's name? I keep forgetting the guy's name here. Keys Van Oz, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Um, the guys have been porting the Spectrum AGD games. Uh, the last two weeks have been very busy. They cranked up four game packs, each with six games. So 24 new games have appeared for the Coco just from wow. them. AGD is an arcade game designer for the people that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they've got, what is their total up to now? It's like 70 something, I think. There's a, there's a lot. And they're, they're still cranking them out. So I'll just quickly go through them here. There's there's links in the Facebook group, uh, both for the downloads. So you can download them for both Dragon and for the Coco. Um, and he's got descriptions of the games and stuff on the links there too. But there's four separate packs. So you'll have to kind of go over the last couple of weeks. So I'll just quickly scroll through. There's like in this game pack nine, there's Baby Monkey Alba. I, and I haven't tried any of these. So if any of you guys have, you can pipe up and give me any details. Uh, the Adventures of Bouncing Bob. I should mention that they're still doing the black and white plane port ones, which actually is kind of nice if you have a Coco 3 with an RGB monitor because the since you have no artifacting, it'll show up exactly like you're seeing here on these screenshots. Uh, but the, the engine is capable of doing some color, but you'd have to redesign some of the graphics to get that to work, which they did, I think, on one or two of the first games they did, and they haven't done on the other ones because it's a fair bit of work. Um, here's Goodnight Kanga, which has a kangaroo, so I'm sure that inspires Nick Moretti's. In Crazy Kong City, Episode 1. Saving Kong 2. I don't know, do you guys want me to scroll through every single one of the games for all four of the packs, or just sure. mention the Dara or something here? Okay. And where were these ported from? The Spectrum. Oh. And how... How did they? How did they port them? Well, Para and them, like there's a the AGD as as James had mentioned, the uh, arcade game designer was a package that was written to create arcade games uh, for the Spectrum, and I think it's a cross compiler, isn't it, James? It's actually done under Windows. <coughs> it, it's a um, a library of functions, and um, it it lets you design the graphics and then use the building animation routines and stuff, and you can choose from a, a series of tools, you know, to build a game. And it actually takes care of uh, old stuff like doing platformers and things like that, kind of a lot of the stuff for you. And so they they ported the um, kind of the engine that all the pieces that are needed to uh, just build the game on a different machine. The the, uh, the the arcade game designer actually supports several different machines, and there's the train you <laughs> jumped jump the gun on me. Um, uh, it's also on, well, it's mostly on Z80 machines, but uh, I believe that, that uh, the Coco is the first um, non-Z80 non or the Dragon or Coco. I, I don't know, maybe it might be on the Acorn Atom as well, but I, I'm i not sure. So it's generating 6809 code then? Well, most of, the, most, of the, most of the code is already written, and it's kind of like a, uh, a library of, of functions, mostly. Um, it, it 
Yeah, it's hard to explain. There's a whole uh, there's a whole page dedicated to it on uh, Facebook, and then there's oh boy, there's another arcade game designer offshoot for smaller sprites, so that you can do stuff like Load Runner, and then there's a whole series of web pages for it online. Um, if you if you go to uh, any of the pages that he's he's showing off here i think somewhere in there they've got links to the actual arcade game designer stuff but you can request to be a member of the group and you can design your own games with it and make them build on the for the coco or for the the spectrum or for um the, what is it uh amstrad and uh, wow yeah, there, there's there's a bunch of different systems that they have it up and going on, but uh, I think they have about yeah they have about I think the last status I saw it was that they had about ninety percent of the uh, the tools available for it ported. So anything that didn't use the other ten percent, they could you know bring it up fairly quickly because you're not really writing. A lot of assembly language and stuff. You can throw in your own routines, but that's what makes porting these so fast. These didn't have any special code. They just used stuff that was built into the libraries for the arcade game designer. So if if somebody tries to port a game that uses hardware sprites, like on the Commodore 64, would they would that game actually run on the Coco or a machine that doesn't have hardware sprites? Well, the, the thing is, it was written for machines that don't really have hardware sprites. Okay. Um, that makes better there, sense. Is, there is not a Commodore 64 version that I'm aware of. Um, it, would, not aware it, would it would replace the uh, hardware sprites with software-based sprites. But, Emulation, right. Right. Okay. That's pretty interesting. I hadn't heard about it. Yeah, it, it's been it's been around a while and it's got undergone a bunch of revisions and it gets better all the time. But um, there are I don't know at any given time there's probably two dozen games in development. Yeah, right right now there's 170 games on the spectrum and I think we're like I said we're up to about 70 on the Coco or 80 or something like that that they've ported already in yeah. the span of what about five six weeks. Yeah, if if you go out and look at the the actual um, uh, pages on Facebook for Arcade Game Designer, uh, someone's working on a version of um, Sailor Man. Uh, what's it called? Pop um, Yeah, and he's been showing status and, and just little little updates, and he's done, it's amazing how much can be done in such a short amount of time with it. I think Perry had mentioned that uh, once they finish these ports, he actually wants to get it onto a different project. So he's not sure if he's going to finish every single, like the last ten percent or whatever, to get everything to convert properly. Um, and I can't remember if he said he was going to help try to port the tools over, so you'd actually create the programs, uh, you know, natively to the Coco first, and then instead, instead of porting a Spectrum one to the Coco. Do you know, James, if they've? Uh... I haven't been following that. I, I, I've mostly been following the stuff that's going on over on the spectrum because that's where the new development's going on. Uh, I, you know, I, I've been sharing the 
sharing the you know these links over on uh, on uh, Discord when they show up. But really, I I haven't been following what work he's been doing on on, on the Coco and Dragon stuff. Okay. Hey, Rob, is that, is that an actual one of the games playing there on your screen? Yes. Here, let me stop Somewhere. my sharing because actually I haven't seen these things running live either. So I'll let you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a little bit of trouble just remembering how to get them started because they do use the ZX Spectrum uh, keyboard um, layout, I guess. Um, but I do have the joystick hooked up into the right. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can really see it. Um, this one I haven't played before called Doodlebug, so I can't make it um, <laughs> run. But well, uh, pick one you know so that how to play them. Some of these, yeah, some of these games saying. might uh, come up and run, but they might have a few quirks to them yet. The Aeon is very good. That was one of the first ones, but it takes a while to load, and I was having a little bit of trouble there. Um, Boggy was the one I was showing because they did make it in um, when you load it, it'll ask you if you want P mode three or P mode four, uh, which is a horrible choice. Definitely. <laughs> but, uh, it's like, would you yeah. like to die by guillotine or fire? But, uh, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> if you select, um, you know, three, you will get the color, but it's uh, it's half the resolution. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I just want to demonstrate the game engine to see how fast does this library actually run. It runs. I mean, it runs really fast. I mean, the, all the things that are supposed to go bounce up and down, and I don't know why it's a little blurry on my my. Um, it's the focus. I think it's focusing yeah. on you rather than the screen. Yeah, I don't know why I'm moving out of the. But well, we can maybe for a future Coca Talk kind of get the setup so it's actually, you know. Well, I'd like to run through the actual games at some point. I mentioned that to Stevie last week that we should do maybe a pre-done video and just like have a you know thirty-second gameplay of each. But I just want to show one, just so people yeah, know what so, people love. Wait, two joysticks. So this one, uh, you know, you can see, and even on the PMO four version, I mean, everything is very smooth. Even when they, even when they're moving faster in some levels, they bounce up and down. I mean, it's very. There's nothing that seems uh, slow about it. And what's the sound like in the libraries? Is there much sound routines, or there there are? You know, I I have the sound is all uh, messed. Um, my sound. This this does have a speaker, this monitor, but but normally I run through the Bluetooth speaker, which I have unplugged for Cocoa Talk. So, <laughs> but none none of it will impress you, like it's a sound chip or anything. But it does well, have the uh, the uh, um, spectrum is uh, just a beeper for most of the sport they have. Even though yeah. the later machines have an AY sound chip. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, they're not using, like, the sound command or the play command from ROM or anything silly. Like, they actually got some decent sound effects, real ones. It's, uh, again, it, 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 it's nothing that will impress you outside of what the Coco can do. Um, it's, there's sound. <laughs> I don't know. How else to to really say it? It, it, it? There's sound. It's okay. It's it's the bleeps and bloops. It's the um, buzzes and clicks and that okay. sort of thing. It does all those things. I, I wouldn't say it would be anything that would be particularly impressive outside of what you would expect from a normal look for Coco Two game. No, but it, I mean, if it does more than just say the play and sound coming, it'd be better than you could do in basic, right? 
I think does an explosion think... sound like an explosion or is it like beep beep beep? Uh, I haven't got that far in a lot of the games. I mean, uh, mo it's mostly bleeping and blooping. I, I wouldn't say there's any more sophisticated sounds that I've that I've noticed. I would say it's more limited than what you're thinking. Curtis. Okay, Curtis. More limited than basic, or about the same as basic then? Mm, yeah, about basic level, maybe a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, not like uh, you know a, a a game by Spectral Associates or something, but but yeah, maybe maybe more along the lines of basic. Okay, because I can say the graphics here definitely look better than basic. Like that's smoother than a get put would be. It's it's yes. uh, if you've ever listened to um, any of the machines like Apple II or whatever that use a the click a speaker basically uh, it's it's going to be more like that. Okay. Okay. So screen sharing again. Yes. Okay. okay. You guys can see that. Then I will switch to the next story. Zoom with quick putting stuff in front of it. Okay, so this one here, this is uh, Diego, who's been on the show numerous times. He uh, released a text adventure game based on the XCOM game. And uh, this is his page. And you actually click on the XCOM link on his little you know, disk extended basic thing here to actually download it. And unfortunately, it looks like it went to a slightly different page here for some reason. But let's go over here. So he's got some like low res graphics in here too, but it's a 32K game, uh, text adventure with some mixed graphics and stuff. And it's, uh, looks pretty interesting. He's got a kind of a program structure if you want to know how it works and how the variables work and stuff here too. So he's got some documentation for the programmer as well as a bit of a map, uh, but that's one he just released here in the last little while. And Ken Reiger, famously known as the brother of Jason, um, released one that he had, he'd originally programmed this, I guess, for the Rainbow, because Rainbow used to have a competition for both simulation games and for adventure games at a contest every year where you'd submit your program, your your game of that type, and they would pick the top winners in different categories, and then they would publish them in a book, and then also release it on cassette and on disc. And um, he did, wrote this one apparently for the fifth adventure contest, or was it the fourth, I can't remember, but basically it never, that contest never happened. Rainbow stopped doing it right at that time, so. <laughs> He had no chance to win whatsoever, but uh, he's he's released the game here. So he's got the download there and then the screenshot. And I guess from looking in the comments here, it sounds like Jim Gary might try to port it to the MC10 because that's what he does. And this here, um, as we've discussed previously, John Linvo is working on a converter for his Game Master cartridge to be able to play uh, or to convert uh, songs into the play command format. Now, the play command on the Coco was single voice, but there was versions of that by Microsoft for doing multi-voice. And that's what he is, this current demo here on YouTube, which he has links to. Um, basically, he's done, a, in this particular example, he did a two-voice version of it, uh, but it will handle up to the three voices that the chip supports. So you can actually write a play command basically and basically it'll convert it over to actually play it by, you know, note names, et cetera, instead of having to like, poke values under the card and stuff. So it'll make it much easier for somebody to transcribe music or to borrow music from any of the other systems that also use that extended multi-voice play command. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. You can definitely check that out. This is still a work in progress too. So uh, it's, it's not released yet, but he's given us an updated demo. 
And Ed Snyder's been a busy little boy as usual. Uh, he actually did a couple of things the last couple of weeks. Um, this one here is the Mega Mini MPI Dual USB Serial Port Adapter. I'll zoom up a little bit here. So basically that plugs into the Mini MPI where he's got his high speed 16550 based serial ports and this actually adapts it to USB. So you can actually take a USB serial port and plug it into there as well. And uh, that connects it up to 921 kilobaud, so 921K. And he's on his early test, he's had up to 52K per second sustained transfer rates running on a Cocoa 1 and 2 at the old 1 megahertz speed. And he's had it up to 78K on the Cocoa 3. I don't know if he spent a lot of time optimizing that or if it can be expanded a bit past that, but that's uh, that's pretty decent speed, 78 kilobytes per second on a Cocoa 3. So um, yeah, a lot of interesting we were that. What's that? It's getting as bad as we were. <laughs> well, actually, he's running faster than we were, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of interest. And I know, Ron Delvo, you've done this quite a bit too, where you've actually are logging on to ANSI-based BBSs and stuff. Yes, sir. And and this is uh, one option to do that, where you can actually take a USB-style modem to hook up that you can get off the shelf nowadays instead of trying to hunt down an old RS-232 pack and hunt down you know, the various components. This will make it much easier. There's wireless options for it too that you can plug into as well. So, and there's several BBSs up on there. There's two different terminal programs now that support the full ANSI color stuff here um in fact one of that will be an update to one of those is uh, one of the later stories here but there's a fair bit of stuff being able to go on and um i, I have one on. comment about this yeah go ahead um i have uh i'm working on a version of dw term that works with uh this adapter um i have it kind of kind of started working but i'm still working out some bugs um i got to 115k on uh, Coco 2 and 460K on a Coco 3. I don't have it working at the higher speeds yet. Well, what's your throughput like on the 4, the Coco 3? What's that? What's your throughput like on the Coco 3? Uh, I, I don't have, I haven't tested file transfers. So oh, okay. I'm just, I'm playing with DW, uh, wrote the, the driver for DW term to work with uh, the UARTs in the Mega Mini MPI. Okay, so you're doing the drive wire protocol, like getting files and that kind of thing? Uh, it's not, I haven't done DriveWire yet, but that's sort of my next step. Just oh, okay. the terminal program so far. Guys okay. sound like NASA with all those acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> we just make up stuff as we go along. Anyway, that, that's really interesting because that's, that's actually like some hardware support already for the Mega MPI that he's barely had available. And every time he puts it up, it sells out within a day. So uh, lots, lots of nice hardware options. I can probably uh, add uh, add uh, Nitrous 9 support for it uh, pretty easily. Uh, I just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, and I know like Rick Euland had done one for when he was running Connect. He had a, his Connect uh, 16550 based driver for Nitrous 9 written already back in the day, back in the 90s. I don't know how compatible that is, but it should be a nice base to get it working. Uh, the driver oh, no. I saw, the one that compiles with Nitrous 9, has no comments. It's a state disassembly. Oh, so we'll have to see if we can find a get a hold of Rick and see if we can get his original original code. Probably somebody just bought it and then eventually just disassembled themselves and then threw it in the repository. There's a lot of stuff in the repository like that. At any rate, uh, Ed, uh, yesterday, kind of surprised all of us because none of us had a clue he was working on this as far as I know. Uh, he's now got a hardware MP3 decoder, which also includes one of the uh, USB to UART 
high-speed serial interfaces in it too. So this is just designed. He hasn't actually done you know, anything on it, but he's actually planning on making an MP3 player for it. So this is kind of the rough schematic that he's hammered out for it. And that would be pretty cool because, I mean, the MP3 is a, a format that is very common. You can get a ton of stuff. You can even get legally free songs and stuff over the web if you wanted to incorporate them as background songs for your game or whatever you want to use it for. There's a ton of stuff already done. You don't even have to write your own music. So that'd be pretty interesting. And you can make a little jukebox, jukebox program or something like that to tell the thing, go play something in the background. You can actually have like a full-blown music player on your Coco running in the background. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely a work in progress. Like he mentioned, he doesn't have actual software done for it. We just kind of whipped out the design and posted up the schematic yesterday. So, but if anybody can do it, it's him. So are we going to have a Cocoa Pod in the future? We're going to be able to be at the dog park and download some stuff on my Cocoa? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> I'm just waiting for us to get like a full-blown jukebox program that plays MP3s. That'd be kind of cool. That would be neat. Um, this is uh, one from on Facebook, Todd Wallace, who's Lord Dragon in Discord. He's been working on his new game. And uh, he just ordered a, a three and a half inch disk drive that he hooked up to his Coco, and he's actually using it to transfer stuff from his PC, uh, MS-DOS PC, to his Coco. And I, I didn't know of any way to do that directly, but there is some stuff built into the EOU. There's some commands to read and write PC disks, like MS-DOS disks, and also to read and write RS-DOS disks, disks. And his game that he's working on is an RS-DOS. So he actually did the three-way transfer. He transferred the PC, to a floppy, put the floppy in his cocoa, copied it into Nitrous 9 on his virtual hard drive on the STC, and then copied it back onto an RS-DOS disk and actually ran the game. So he kind of went through and showed the different stages here. Like here he's doing a directory of the uh, PC disk. Um, and then copies it over into his uh, Nitrous 9 side. And then he puts it back onto the RS-DOS disk here with the RS-DOS command. And he did it under RS-DOS, and there it is. And then he actually ran it, and it's actually running. So it's kind of a, it's probably not as you know clean and easy to do as say a Rick Adams thing where you just blast things stuff across, but it works. <laughs> and I, I don't know how many people like I know Bill and I used to use these utilities constantly, work because we got a lot of files sent to us by disk, um, and sometimes by modem for work on the Cocoa. And there, of course, were most of the time were MS-DOS format. So having that stuff built in, and we included that all with the EOU already all set up to go too. So if you have 360K double-sided five and a quarter inch drives or 720K double-sided three and a half inch drives on your Cocoa, you can actually transfer stuff back to your PC if your PC also has a three and a half or five and a quarter. Go ahead. M-Shell, M-Shell does some of that, right? I believe so, yes. Not much to show here, but, uh, and, and Ron, I don't know if you've had a chance to try this yet, but I noticed uh, Roger just yesterday posted up an update to NetMate, and that's the terminal program you're using for him to do the ANSI BBS stuff, correct? Yeah, I've been using uh, one of his beta um, things that work really good for me. It's like the 10th one he sent me, and I've been, uh, it's worked flawless. It's great. You can save your buffer, you know, and that's that's what I'm interested in. I want to be able to save a session and go back to it and look at it, save it to a different drive, stuff like that. Okay, so this test version 30, is that the same one you're using then? No, mine's before that. This is the latest. 
Before you get much further away from what you were just talking about, um, I built a 486 system with a 360k floppy mm -hmm. and a five and a three and a half, and I used that to go back and forth between me and Coco, and I use MS DOS and Coco Util from Mark Data to copy files to and from um, Coco to the PC. That's that's an RSDOS program from Mark Data too. That wasn't OS nine, right? No, that was RSDOS. Okay, so no, did uh, it... MS DOS, MS DOS. Oh, it's an actual MS-DOS program that does the transfers. Okay. Yeah, you can format a Cocoa Disk, copy files to it, copy files from a Cocoa Disk to the PC side. So that's for dealing with files. For disk images, I just use DriveWire or yeah. Cocoa SDC. But yeah. for single files, I use Cocoa Util, and that's up in the um, in the archive. Now that had the restriction though, because RS DOS disks by default only went up to 160K, that's all that could handle, right? It didn't handle 720K disks or anything? No, it only did the single 35 track, single sided code. Okay. But that's good enough for doing a data transfer if you have a uh, 360K, uh, um, a regular 35 or 40 track drive on your Coco. Yeah. I know like with Bill and I, we were handling MS DOS files that were quite a bit larger. Uh, like we had six, 700K files that came in we had to deal with. So running it on the uh, three and a half inch at a full 720K was quite handy. Well, wasn't there a set of utilities that Tandy sold, uh, PRS copy? Yeah, that only did RS-DOS disks from OS9 though. I don't think that did MS-DOS. Okay. I, I was sure I read that there was a utility for OS9 to read. Well, there's for OS9, but that wasn't from Tandy. That was, that was third party. Oh, all right. All right. Well, I'm going back to you, then. <laughs> okay. But thanks for reminding me about the Mark Data one. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, and that the one that's up on the Coco um, archive is my image from my floppy, because I have the original. I bought it from Mark Data way back when. Cool. If I could kind of interrupt, because you was doing some news on this, and I dug mine out. Okay. This is the. Oh, better unshare there because you're not going to be able to be seen here. Okay. The Titanium Systems, okay, a guy out of Australia, can't remember his name right now, basically did a new version of the Coco Midi. And so it has uh, three ports and things are switchable and stuff. So there is a solution out there if somebody wants to do Midi right now. That I think he still has those available. Okay. And you made the cases for him? Yeah, I made some cases, yeah. Do you remember what, what the cost was, just in case anybody is interested? That I don't remember. This is uh, dated a couple years ago, so I'd have to look things up and so on. Okay, even the guys. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name right now. They used Titanium Studios as a studio name, and they called it Coco Media. But he was talked about it on Facebook and stuff. I'll have to go back through emails to find yeah. it. I'm trying to remember, was that the guy in Australia that did that? Yes. Okay. No, before that, we got too far away from that. You know, we wanted to bring that up. The guy in Australia, is that the one of the hosts of the trash talk by any chance? No. Okay. No, it's not I am Mavic or whatever the guy's name. It's not him. Yeah. Yeah. He. Oh, it's not him. Okay. No, it, it's not him. Nick, do you remember? Ian Maverick or Te uh, Tezza. Um, Terry Stewart? Terry Stewart, yeah, those are the 
two big TRS-80 guys in Australia. Yeah, because Ian, I think, did his own Coco floppy controller recently, and he's he he's an Australian guy. He did two of them. Oh, two. He okay. F he did an FD five hundred one clone, and he cloned the. Um, uh, I don't know which one he cloned. It was either the hard disk specialists or a disto, but it has a dual ROM. It's a full size card with a switchable dual ROM, so you could use both. Let's say disk extended basic and ADOS or disk extended basic and super dots for the dragon so you could have one controller for both systems yeah which the sdc supports that too that has a jumper for doing the dragon addressing you need the roms flashed obviously but yeah a lot of okay. people buy one coco sdc for their coco and one for their dragon yeah, and I, mean, I need to get a second one just for my Coco 1 and 2 versus my Coco 3 because I'm sometimes running them simultaneously now. So. Yep. And uh, this here, this is an update from Glenn's side. They've been uh, getting you know people registered for the tables and stuff at uh, Coco Fest this year. And uh, they're asking people to submit, you know, get their payments in and how many tables you need, et cetera. And I guess they're getting close to selling out the main room here. So if you want to get one in the main room and not the auction room, you should probably get it in pretty quick if it's not too late already. But I thought we might as well just run through some of the exhibitors that are, are confirmed now. So Boise Pete's there and he's doing his call for papers again, like he did last year. Uh, Boys in Tech, which has some troll guy named Richard Lerbieski, he's he's going to be there too, um, selling his two meg boards. Boomerangs. Uh, Brian Schubring, who's actually on the call here, is going to be there to, to to blast the sound out and play the national anthems, etc. Uh, Mark Marlette. Uh, from Cloud9 is going to be there, and I've, I've heard rumors that there might be some new hardware coming out from him. That's not officially announced yet either, so look forward to that. Uh, the Coco Brothers, actually, this will, this will be nice. They're up to organize to get uh, Simon Jonasson uh, to actually come out for Coco Fest and help raise the money for that. So they're going to have their own booth there too, and actually I can finally pay him for the uh, Timberman because <laughs> I never did send anything yet because um, he gave me a one to review. And I, since uh, Paul also plays guitar, this jam session is now going to be probably up to about five or six musicians at this point. So it's going to be a pretty good jam, probably the best one in years. So I'm looking forward to that too as well. It's going to uh, be called Coco Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. The youngest one we're going to call Coco Jr. Huh. in honor of uh, Jim Brain. Um, Brendan Donahue, Coco VGA will be there. I don't know if he's going to have any more updates to the Coco VGA. I don't know if anybody here has heard from him on that, whether there's more updates. I mean, he just added in the stuff for redefinable character sets and stuff, so. Uh, attendee assembly, he hadn't had time to do anything yet. I haven't heard from him since then. But okay. uh, he did do that paper on sprites. I think that's something he, he wants to do, but he hasn't found, as of attendee assembly, he hadn't found any time to do that yet. Yeah, and I know him and Ed Snyder were trying to come up with different configurations too to work on the different types of motherboards like the D board, the E board, the F board, et cetera, too. So, and the different positions of the chips and the, the RF cans and things. I, I just got Coco VGA with, for uh, the uh, Coco 2B with the 6847 T1. I was playing with that uh, a week or two ago. I just got them. Cool. So, how many boards has he got left to, to support? I don't know. Uh, I know that uh, probably my D board Coco One is never going to get a VGA. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the few that had everything nice and socketed too. 
the other thing is I did you did tell me that it actually will fit into a um, MC10 but the case doesn't go back on yeah and I know people have put in dragons too so I mean it supports the dragon as well yes it does it does a version there is a version for the dragon so yes and then the the color computer store will be there selling software and hardware parts etc Evan Wright who wrote what is it flooded I think is and the hunt the wampus cartridge that is just coming out now uh which is a port of the ti 994 a version of the game which was a cartridge back in the day on the ti 994 a um, there's been some videos and stuff on that so that just is getting released he'll be there as well hawksoft which is chris hawks and his wife who've been to every coco fest i think and probably quite a few of the rainbow fest too from what i remember be there selling their normal software and hardware john lindville retro tanker of course What's that noise coming from? Me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty cool, though. Whatever it is. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing the show. <laughs> this is awesome. Hey, Ron, you got to be There you go. <laughs> oh, come on. I want to hear that conversation. <laughs> well, while we're waiting for him to come back, I'll go... That was my mama. Okay. Um, you still on your show? Uh, yeah. Give, give your mom the uh, the Zoom link. <laughs> really? There we she go. Would be a riot. Uh, John Linville will be there, of course, showing off the Game Master cartridge and his his new play command stuff, and uh, hopefully the uh, Game Master version of Barfall will be available too. I know he's trying to get it up for the last fest, and then he hit some last minute snags. He didn't get a chance to finish. Um, William Astell, Lost Wizard Enterprises, maker of LW Tools and LW Asm will be there. He doesn't really sell anything in his booth. He just likes chatting with all of us. And he has to have a place to sit. So definitely visit him. If you need some uh, hardcore technical info on 6809, etc., he's, he's pretty well a wizard in that area. Uh, Neil Blanchard, and I think he's the one who was actually supporting Evan Wright with the uh, Hunt the Wumpus cartridge um, and helped uh, design the actual hardware for it, is definitely going to be there again, too. Uh, we'll skip this Nitrous 9 Ease of Use project. That's useless. Um, Rick Adams, of course, will be there. Um, Rick, will you have Bomb Threat ready by then, do you think? Uh, bomb th well, yeah. Oh, not Bomb Threat, sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm You know sorry. what I meant. Bomb Threat for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're probably thinking uh, Omnistar. Yes. Well, that'd be nice. We'll see. It'd be nice to have Temple of Rome 2 done, too, but I, that's sort of doubtful. Yeah, I think you it might have enough to demonstrate happen. the stuff, but I, yeah, Temple Rome 2 is probably pushing it a bit hard to get released by then. Just make yep. sure that you have the, the bomb threat cartridges covered up when you get onto the airline. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Well, actually, I'm I'm driving there, so I'm safe. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's That's a good thing to remember, though, yeah. Well, remember, we do have a bomb squad available if there's any problems with the bomb threat. That's right. <laughs> that is true. Henry Reitfeld, Reitfeld, Reitfeld is going to be showing his Coco 3 in a stick as well as his Coco 3 helmet display, which will be pretty oh. interesting. He's also been putting videos up on YouTube of his uh, Rampage arcade cabinet that he's built in an Atari 2600 and a Coco 3 system into, and you can actually play the games with the real arcade buttons and the real arcade joysticks. Wow. On both of those systems, so that's that's been pretty cool too. That's an impressive number of vendors for a Coco Fest. 
Yeah, and we're still expecting more too. I mean, that's just the ones that have actually submitted the money and, and reserved the table officially at this point. Yeah, I need to do that. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, you think we'll go to 120 this time? I'm hoping. I mean, the fact that Simon's actually flying in, and I think a lot of people want to meet him. You might get some people like Paul Thayer and his brother there are coming and they haven't been to one in a few years from what I understand. So uh, there's some extra people coming just because Simon's coming. And I think there might be a few more coming just to meet him because that's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity type of thing. Yeah. So I'm hoping. Uh, here, Carlos actually published a little video on Facebook um, showing off the old Votrax or is it Voltrax or how do you pronounce that? Votrax, yeah. Votrax. Uh, voice synthesizer. Um, which is actually using a, a Tandy power supply, which is kind of cool in of its own, but it's also the same chip that uh, Spectrum did on the voice pack for the Coco, which I think Al had mentioned. SCO1. Or is Al still on? Oh, I'm here. I was muted. It just takes me a second to get back over. Okay. Do you still have your Spectrum voice pack? Yeah, I think I have two of them actually. And I have a speech systems pack. I don't know what's in it, but okay. I, don't, I don't know if the speech systems... There were two chips. There was an SCO1 and an SCO2. Yeah, and the SCO2 uh, is one that allowed inflection. That was a real talker one, wasn't it? That might have been. I think I have a super talker because I have a super talker manual and the software. So that might be a super talker cartridge. So what we're kind of going through nowadays with uh, sound cards, we actually did go through back in the 80s uh, with with speech ones because there was at least six or seven. I did find one chess game. I can't remember if I put it in the archive yet or, or if it's just on my page. But there was a chess game that actually supported six different speech cards for the Coco, and this was one of them. Yeah, there wasn't much software that supported the, the um, speech cartridges. There was Spectrum Project sold uh, Term Talk, was a talking terminal program. So that you could go online and and have it read it out to you. And yeah. have it read it out. There were several talking terminal programs, and I don't know what else was. I don't remember what else was available. There might have been a few games. There was a chess game for sure. I've actually got a copy yeah, of it. Yeah, he said the chess game, but I mean, there might have been like an Eliza game that someone wrote. I mean, when you got the Spectrum voice pack, they, you got a driver and instructions on how to program it. Yeah, and then we had software ones too, like Speak Up from um, was it Speech Systems? I can't remember. Made that one. Computize maybe. Now explain what the Eliza game is like. Well, the Eliza is a kind of a phony artificial intelligence where you would—it's like you were talking to a psychiatrist and you would try to have a conversation, and so you'd, you'd say, "I'm not feeling good today," and it would say, "Well, what do you think about that?" You know, or in in the the voice synthesizer would be what do you think about that <laughs> you know or it would give so you how does that make you answer. feel <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, that was uh one of the first basic supposed artificial intelligence programs oh yeah how, how many of you would say swear words to the person <laughs> oh i did that all the time when I, when I got my model one to your city i was one of the first <laughs> That I bought. <laughs> that was one of the first games that Flex had too, because I remember Frank Hogg sold one, one Eliza clone. I think they named it a different name, but it was the same thing. And it was in the David, the David Owl books had the, the listing you could type in. Yeah. And that was such a simple game, you could port it to any platform easily. 
Except, you know, oddly, Jim Gary has not ported that to the MC10. <laughs> what? <laughs> Give him five minutes. Yeah. yeah. He's slacking. <laughs> Where does he get it? I don't know that um, Zebra built the voice packs for Spectrum Projects. I don't know that we ever designed an SCO2 voice pack for the Coco, for Spectrum, or for anyone. Um, we did do an SCO2 um, for the Timex. We did one for the Timex 1000, and then another one for the Timex 2068. And I think we didn't even do the SCO one for the 2068, which was the color computer that looks like the Brazilian CT500 Coco clone. But we did an SCO one for the Timex 1000 and the SCO two for the 2068. And that was a pretty neat product back in the day. There's a video on um, YouTube that I put up there called Zebra on TV. And we were being interviewed and the whole point of the interview was the Timex might be a dead computer because, you know, the computer industry has passed it by. So I was playing with the voice synthesizer, and the very last thing I did was having the Timex 1000 saying, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and we played that at the end of the, the interview on the New Tech Times. Or, we, or the, was either that one, we did two of them, Wall Street Journal Report or the New Tech Times. But um, that was Zebra Systems, if you ever watch those videos. That's the inside of Zebra. We were okay. built inside of an old beer distributor. We Does anyone know if uh, Bob Rosen is still alive? Nope. We talked about him last week, but no. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's been in contact with him for years. So. I'm the, the last person, I think, to have heard from him. And that was quite a while back. I, I found some contact information i think it was for him um on the internet it looked kind of stale but i took a chance uh and uh i think i didn't get any reply or maybe, maybe it bounced I don't, I don't remember now it was several weeks ago well if you want bob rosen to get back in touch with you tell him you owe him some money and you'd like to pay him. <laughs> yeah that will guarantee he will get back <laughs> okay hey, i'm looking Oh, go ahead. It's talking about looking old people up, and you know Marty Goodman got me thinking, and I didn't know the status of Tom Mix, and Tom Mix was from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, so I went did some looking, and uh, the best I can tell, he passed away about five years ago. Oh, oh that's too bad. Because uh, I was able to take the Tom Mix address and trace that through some addresses. Uh, it appears his widow was still alive, at least for what I, I checked, but uh, uh, names, names matched across, okay, an address. That's his real name? Uh, yes, Tom Mix. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, kind of famous? Yeah, a Western cowboy actor. Yeah, a Western yes. cowboy actor named Tom Mix. Yeah, yeah Tom L. Mix, I believe was, was his name, okay? But, uh, you know, I, I'd have remembered the Grand Rapids because, you know, I had family from Grand Rapids and years ago, so it kind of stuck out. And I thought, wait, is that right? So I looked it up in Rainbow. Yes, it is. And then did Google's on the address. And so a lot of the good ones have passed away, sadly. Yeah. Speaking of getting your money back from a, a cocoa vendor from a long time ago, I've got a, a little story 
uh, might take about 10 minutes or so. Um, there was uh, back in the, I think it was the late 90s or so, uh, somebody on the, the Coco list posted a message about uh, one of the Cocoa vendors, they open sourced one of their, not open sourced, released it to the public, one of their software packages. And I, and it, it, I don't think it was a bleak triad. It might have been the company that was uh, formed from the guys from Oblique Triad after the fact. So anyway, I clicked around on their webpage and uh, I've, I got in contact with the developers from Oblique Triad who were from Canada. Um, so in the, in the middle or late 80s, they developed a, a sampling uh, software for the Cocoa and I thought it was pretty, pretty neat. It was called StudioWorks, exactly. And it used the... Uh, the uh, the DAC port, which was very low resolution, uh, and about maybe a year or so later, they came out with a higher res sampling uh, version of it, which required using uh, a ROM cartridge, the cartridge slot. Yeah. So I, I I bought that, and I had a lot of problems with it. It worked, but it, I had problems. I was going back and forth with them. They sent me updates. After a long time, uh, I I finally sent it back to them and said, "Hey, send me a refund." And I had talked to them many many times. And, you know, weeks went by, months went by, I never got my money back. I tried calling them many, many, many times. I tried calling the Better Business Bureau or the equivalent in Canada. Long story short, after probably 50 phone calls, letters, and everything I could try, I, I never got my money back. And back then, you know, it was 69 or maybe $89, not a terrible amount, but, you know, so when somebody uh, when when this uh, message on the Coco list got posted, I clicked around and I, I got in contact with these guys and I said, "Hey, uh, aren't you one of the uh, founders from Oblique Triad?" And they was said, it yeah, Jeff or, or Dave? You got a hold of? I, I I still have the email. It was it was one, and he said, "By the way, I'm still in touch with Dave." Um, and and I said, "Do you remember?" And I repeated the whole story to him. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I do." And I'm very sorry that it happened. And uh, he said, you know, back in those days, they were starving, starving programmers, basically just trying to make a living, of course. And uh, long story short, uh, he refunded my money and, and, and including a little bit, it came out to about $100 total. So that was, you know, 20 some odd years after they disappeared <laughs> off the scene. So I thought that was pretty cool of them. And then I ended up giving that, uh, just donating that money to uh, Glenside because, uh, you know, just to help them out with their costs. That's cool. Yeah, because it was Jeff Noyle and Dave Triggerson were the two main guys at Oblique Triad. They did like Seventh Link, they did StudioWorks, StudioWorks Pro, uh, those darn marbles, et cetera. They had a really good Defender clone they were working on called Defendroid, but they that's when they kind of, you know, decided that they couldn't survive on starvation wages anymore, so they never finished it. That and Jeff, I remember he ended cool. up working at Microsoft. Oh, good for him. I don't know what happened to Dave. I don't know if he's still in Ontario or not. Okay, I'll switch her back to the old news here. So Robert Sieg, who's been on the show before demonstrating his uh, BMP to MC10 converter, has been working on some algorithms to get you to, or to allow you to be able to change how it interprets the picture when it's trying to narrow it down to the 128 by 96 by 4 color mode that the MC10 supports. 
So you did an animated GIF here, like showing you a hundred different frames of, of how to have it, the program interpolate the colors differently. So I'll just click on that. Kind of goes through them there. So there's various ways that you can you can do the you know the dithering and, and what color set to choose from when you're doing the pictures. But that's some of the stuff he's working on. And I know Simon's been kind of ta talking with him about doing some page flipping techniques to give you expanded palettes and stuff too. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. That's kind of kind of cool. I've never really expected to see a BMP, you know, converter or viewer on an MC10. Pretty cool. Yeah. And this is one uh, Tim Locke was. Uh, we kind of discussed that before, but that's the active thread, and he's even got some ads like um, this one up here. That's the uh, France advertisement for the Color Computer Two. Le Coco Do. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a bit of a different take. Uh, we've seen some French ads up here in Canada, of course, for the Quebec market, but this is a, a bit of a different one in actual France itself. So that was kind of cool, too. But that's an ongoing uh, conversation there. So if anybody else knows some other countries that the Coco 1, 2, or 3 was sold in, the official ones, you can mention the clones, too, if you will, want to, but uh, just make sure you mention it's a clone. But we're kind of trying to figure out you know, where did it all get sold. If you scroll down, you'll see the one from Yugoslavia to the bottom, I think. Yeah, that's cool to see. Oh, okay. Looks like I got that one twice. This one here is the. Um, now he's got versions of this for the Windows, the Mac, and and Linux or Linux, whatever you want to do it. But Jim Brady mentioned this in Discord just today, not too long before the show. Um, the Coco Flash that he makes basically requires a 16K at least an extended color basic for you able to flash any of the ROMs on there or do updates to the Coco Flash itself. And this one guy here, Jim Shorts, had mentioned that he had some systems that were below that, you know, recommend or not recommend, but required minimum system to be able to do anything. So he actually took it upon himself to write utilities so that you can actually now do the Coco Flash stuff even on a 4K Coco. It's just a little machine language program, and you just you can load it up, and then you can actually flash the ROM from there, and then play you know some of the games even with a 4K, or a 16K without extended color basic. So he's got the downloads here for all three platforms, and he's also got the source code there if you want to take a look at it too. So that was kind of cool that he, he shared all that, and I didn't have a clue that this was even going on. So kind of a surprise. And then that's about it for that. Uh, the last story um, is basically for Nick Marini's, and it will actually be a transition to him because he's been updating his blog on Gunstar, and he's actually got a video for Gunstar as well. So, uh, <laughs> that's a preemptive core dump here. That's right. That happens at the end of the show, not before. <laughs> Um, yeah, and and actually, and I haven't announced it on Facebook, but I've also just put up the next uh, uh, development blog update, of which we'll see the video from, uh, I think uh, Tony's got it queued up there to, to play, but I've been doing, a, I've had a bit of, bit of spare time and I've been able to do a bit, bit of work on my Gunstar uh, to the point where I've been putting up... Uh, blog updates uh, weekly so it's gotten to the point now where you can actually see uh, what I've been ranting about all this time you know big promises but this is it finally proof 
that um, it, it actually works and um, we might uh, see if Tony's ready to uh, play the video. It saves me talking anyway. <laughs> so where's Tony? Uh, well, would you, uh, well that, that's Tom. <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tom. I got the and first letter right. Would you, like, would you like to do a commercial break first and then we'll do a commercial? Well, if you want to do a commercial, yeah, that's right. Does anybody have to I, lead? Does anybody have to leady? Yes, I believe uh, Rondo Moe usually has to. We're up for it. Take a break right around here. All right, just give me one second to get this queued up. All right, I turn this on. Okay, and here we go. Commercial break. Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And we're back. And we're back, yeah. So you're queued up uh, with the video? Just about. Okay, well. Gotta find and then, Nick, this. you should welcome your fellow Australian who's joined the show late here. Uh, Brizza, yeah, I, I did actually in the chat. Uh, hi, Brizza. Ah, <laughs> oh, see, now there's someone I can understand what he's saying. Yes, I've been doing a fair bit of work on it. I've got the background moving and I've got the overlay with the scores and all that. And uh, I decided I'll, I'll do a bit of a video blog as well to, um, well, talk about it a bit and also uh, I can actually show it. So that's the video we're going to play now, but it's also, if you go to the usual link that I've been advertising my, my development blog, click on that link again, and there's another chapter has been added in there, and the, the video, there's a link to the video uh, and a little bit of a uh, something to read there as well, if you want to see it or if you can't understand my Australian. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, without with no further ado, I guess, if... Tom has it ready to go. We are considering this the core dump, correct? Yes. Ah, well, if you want to make it a core dump, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess the core dump, this is more of a project update, but let's say the core dump has become a, a project update if you want. Just, just if you want to hear the music, that's all. Yeah. Yep.
G'day everyone, Nick Marentes here, your fellow retro geek from Land Down Under, where we drive on the wrong side of the road and toilets flush the other way round. Welcome to a video progress update of my new Coco 3 game titled Gunstar. Those that have been following my game development blog will know that I have been making some progress of late and now have some actual graphics moving on the screen. I have been explaining my new game engine that I have developed and now it's time to move beyond the theories and showcase the game as it starts to take shape. This is not a new game engine. I originally developed the game engine back in 1984 for a game Escape Zone on the Tirasati Model 1. So it's an engine I originally developed over 30 years ago and am now adapting it to the Coco with higher resolution and color. The game will have four distinct levels. Each level will be composed of 22 screens worth of scrolling background graphics. These will then repeat till all the required targets and objectives are met before moving on to the next level. Currently I only have two screens worth of repeating background just so I can test the engine so far. The game will scroll the background terrain vertically down the screen as well as left and right to reveal a wider background area. Overlaid on top of this scrolling background will be the score display and two bar graph displays which indicate your craft's propulsion energy and fusion bomb energy. On beginning the game you will have no fusion bomb energy and the idea being that you will charge it as you collect fusion energy in your travel. The fusion bomb is basically a powerful energy blast that disrupts all enemy craft around you and destroys them. I hope to have the blast working by my next blog, complete with sound effect. But enough of the rant, let's get started. Okay, here we go. Now, as you can see, the background is scrolling down the screen. In the top left, we have the score. And for testing purposes, I've just got, got it merely incrementing by 10 with every frame of the game, just so I can just see the numbers all work correctly. On the right hand side, you can see two bar graph displays. The top one with a, light, um, a green, a light green area is the, uh, the, the um, propulsion energy I mentioned. And just below that, uh, indicating an empty uh, fusion bomb energy level. Now notice your spaceship, you know, it, what it looks like at the, at the moment. The very nozzle of the ship looks a bit larger than uh, the normal. That's the fusion bomb. But at the moment, because we have no fusion energy, it's discharged, so it, you can't fire. Um, as a cheat, I have made it so that if I fly my ship to the left, and here you can see the screen scroll, it will charge up the uh, fusion bomb. So now look at the graph. It's fully red, it's indicating it's full. 
when it's full the nozzle the fusion bomb nozzle cone or whatever starts to spin so that's a graphical representation that when you're when you're playing as soon as you see the 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 nose cone spinning you know that your fusion bomb is ready to be um, fired at the moment you can't fire it but in the next vlog hopefully I'll be able to just um, blow it and it'll flash the screen and make noises and all that sort of stuff another thing the ship does if I thrust forward to go up the screen you'll see there's a, a small flame on the back of the the ship and uh, I can just fly around I can go left and right to see the remainder of the uh, screen there's the uh, extreme right edge and I can fly over to the left and it'll go over to the extreme left um, the overlay that I mentioned in the blog is currently it's got the score in the bars uh, on the right and I can even fly my ship and it'll it'll just move underneath the uh, score and the bars um, so it's all certainly well overlaid over the main graphics even though the main graphics is um, can move around the um, overlay plane sits in one place and I can draw any graphics I want on that screen and I just draw them in the same position each time and that's where they appear and that's where they'll be overlaid over whatever's happening in the background and I don't have to worry about cleaning up the mess worrying about whatever I print on that overlay gets scribbled on onto the background and I don't have to you know restore the background all the all the usual stuff you would have to do when trying to create overlays on the Coco it's the engine does that all automatically so that's basically not a lot to show but it's it's certainly showing progress of the game and uh, more importantly that the uh, graphics engine definitely works and um, is totally flicker free is of a reasonable speed it's not quite a 60 frame per second game uh, due to the um, heavy um, block moves of memory that the engine requires uh, the coding to do the engine is actually very small it's a it's a very uh, memory economical engine it's very simple how it works but it works by copying large areas of memory um, around um, so that it creates this um, logical multiplanar graphics so that's it for now um, hope you enjoyed that and uh, I have been on a bit of a programming role so I hopefully will be only another week away and I'll be able to do the fusion bomb and you can all have a look and see what that looks like but uh, I'm happy with the results so far um, it's pretty well exactly perfect as what I was hoping for the speed was what I was expecting um, the only thing I think might be something I'll have to play with is the colors if you notice when I fly my ship uh, that whatever colors my 
my uh, ship is if I'm flying over the same colors it tends to um, make areas of the ship disappear because they are the same color so I don't know I might have to just rejig some of the uh, background graphics to differentiate it a little bit but anyway work in progress so that's all for now thanks for watching are we back yeah. we are back awesome. Unfortunately, um, it didn't show on the, uh, hey? That looks great. Yeah, so did it come out all right? I mean, it didn't show up on the uh, live oh, chat on, screen. But... I watched on YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah, yeah. YouTube. Unfortunately, okay. we haven't, we, we still haven't figured out how to get OBS to, to put that back into Zoom. So I can, I right. can put the audio back in, but it's hard, it's hard to put the uh, video back in. Right. No problem. I, yeah. I love the spinny, uh, the, spinny <laughs> the gun torrent. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Oh, well, as long as everyone was able to, here was able to see it, um, I, I could run it in BCC and share my screen. But yeah, if, if you all saw it, that'll do. You know, it went out. It went out on the stream. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all right. Yeah. Oh well, um, that's about it. Um, the next job is to actually get the firing and the, the sound effects for that going. Uh, of which, mind you, I've done ninety percent of it already. I do have a version that does that now. So it'll only be a couple of days um, and I'll have the next blog update again. So I told you I was on a roll. So yeah. <laughs> I just want to mention, just to make this technical enough to qualify as a core dump, um, uh, the demo you know there actually has your FIRQ sound routine running with two voices. Well, like, just it no does. Playing. Well, do you want to see a quick burst of, uh, of the sound? I, I could share that screen. Um, sure. Okay, I'll I'll share my desktop. So you're seeing a preview preview now. So <laughs> let's see if I can just share that and also the computer sound, of course. And hopefully my bandwidth is enough to um to show it off. <laughs> so can you see that screen? Yep. Okay, I'll just run the game. I'll just speed it up a bit on. Okay, so that's the start. And then I'll go straight into the game. And, okay, so that's coming up okay. Thumbs up, everyone, if they can see it and hear it. Yeah. Well, anyway, you saw this bit. Um, and um, the firing now I can fire. And you hear the sound, but I haven't got the bullet. So so is that coming out? No. Oh, there we are. Can, there it is. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the firing, but I, I have to do the actual firing. Um, and uh, if I, I can cheat at the moment, I can if I fly over, it actually charges up the um, the um, uh, uh, f bomb. You can see. So now, and the gun turret spinning. So if I launch the um, the bomb, I know I launch that by pressing and holding the fire button down for about three seconds. So the game will support one button joysticks, a single tap will fire a normal laser, a long tap and hold will launch a um, fusion bomb, which is that. Did you see that flash at all? I don't know if it worked on the share. I'll, I'll do another one in case. Yeah, we saw. Yeah. So um, it just flashes it and does the sound effect like that. Um, and of course, any aliens on the screen will all blow up at once. So it should hopefully look pretty impressive when they all go off. But yeah, that's what I've done so far. So I get the firing going, and then the um, the um, um, 
um, the next blog will be up. Cool. And that's it. That's how I wasted my time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks See, great, Nick. Nick, that's Nick great. if your plane gets hit, will it have a contrail? <laughs> <laughs> have you thought of uh, something well, like that? Or? It would be probably tough to do, huh? Uh, if, if you what? Sorry. It... Hmm? What'd you say? Ron, I, I think Ron's saying when you get hit, when you get hit, will there be any um, damage like, to the plane? Like, like a contrail coming off the tail of the, the plane, like a, you know, like a, a contrail, like a chemtrail, mm. you know, like like smoke, <laughs> like smoke, yeah, a smoke. line of smoke. It, it, it wouldn't be hard to do. That wouldn't be hard to do. But yeah, and I hadn't really planned on that. No. <laughs> You see the energy, your energy will drop you know, on one oh, of the bars. Okay. So that's how you know you've been damaged. But yeah, it's it would be possible to put little smoke puffs, I guess, when you're about to get blown up, when you're really yeah. bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it all depends on how much time I've got to uh, to add in all the aliens and whatever else. Well, you have memory, right? Oh, memory's not a problem, no. Wow, which is weird to say, right? Oh, I, I think Didn't the programs. I think the programs barely using um, um, maybe 128k at the moment. So, no, it looks really good. I'm just waiting for the Nitrous Nine version to come out. <laughs> Runs <of> ducks. <laughs> and, and just another technical thing. I think currently, as it stands, the demo you showed us—that's the six three zero nine only version with the TFM command. Yeah, yeah. The game is for six three zero nine. I mean, I'd like to see if I can convert it to six eight zero nine uh, at the end, but I suspect the only way to get it to run will be to take bits out of it. Um, it'll be um, it'll be slower. So. At this point, it'll be 6309 only, and we'll see when we get to the end of it. You're okay. a pioneer. So that's where people can start buying their 6309s that's in that's time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now the Chet's also working on a game that's 6309 and yeah. 2 on top of it. That uh, There's a couple of decent ones coming out. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's been very easy to code, too. This one's... um. I mean, the graphics uh, with the overlays and all that is looks, you know, it's pretty fancy, but the coding has actually been the easiest game I've done so far. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very good. The engine really simplifies the, um, the whole sprites and overlays uh, thing, which is what I was hoping for because it does consume a bit of CPU time to set itself up, but I was hoping that we would see a benefit from it all at the end by ease of programming you could say and it has been it's been really good and it's been very compact as well hmm. paul thayer is saying in the chat there should be there should definitely be some sort of indication you've been hit on gunstar perhaps even the ship flashing uh yeah well the flashing will be easy um mm -hmm. can we put sparklies coming off it well sparklies or the smoke that um that, that Ron was saying that wouldn't be too hard to do, um, but I would do that when you're you've been hit so bad that um, that you're you know a few more hits and you're dead type thing. The yeah. yeah. Is so, white I mean, that, a color you can use? Is what? 
is white uh, white uh, yeah. color use yeah yeah i've got those well the 16 colors i've set up yeah mm -hmm. but um oh i could use um some sort of a dithering effect as well if i want to like, just like a gray or something oh you dot Smoke. it out so it's yeah so so you sort of can partially see through it as well mm -hmm. uh like a a transparent type effect more like a fly screen effect i guess and just have smoke there but um th there's a fair bit i can do but the point is uh, you don't want to put every use up all these cycles to do all these wonderful space of uh, ship effects and you don't have enough time to have all the aliens come on because i i do have plans to have or try have a lot of aliens spinning on the screen and blowing up and whatever <laughs> So I guess it all depends on how much CPU time I've got. Will these aliens have pear-shaped eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Haven't drawn them yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's it so far. That's, that's uh, Gunstar. Actually, don't you have a graphic for Gunstar that shows uh, the overlay with the alien behind that you did? Uh, yeah, that was a uh, a preview for uh, special viewing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oops. Secret artwork. Oh, okay. No, no. Secret artwork. <laughs> Did Popstar use that engine as well? No, no, no. no only, only uh, as I showed in the video, um, yeah, my it. old game Escape Zone used it. Yeah, Popstar uses the hardware scrolling and then two yeah. screens you can do smoother scrolling than the hardware scroll normally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So you can get a bit you can get more speed and all that using hardware, but um it's the thing is it creates right? other it creates other other limitations as well, trying to because you're forced to work within those hardware limitations. Um for example, uh hardware scroll will will do a full screen scroll and it'll do it nice and smooth and it'll do it nice and fast, but it's a full screen scroll um, and any scores or any you know, more static overlays I want to put on there, well, they'll scroll as well unless you put more code in there to make up for that. It just gets more and more complicated the more you try to, to, to go beyond what the hardware is designed to do, whereas this engine is very flexible it's not tied to the hardware at all so are you going to do like a leisure nighty sally <laughs> leisure nighty sally what's that yeah well, that's kind of like late uh leisure suit larry only it's the girl version because you have uh, now. You just mind you the, well that, engine, that <laughs> engine could do that very easily but uh yeah no no plans on that <laughs> oh but you are going to do another game with the engine later? Yeah, Maybe? the engine could be adapted for uh, other games, yeah. Um, although I'm not the type who keeps doing the same game idea. Although this one's a bad example. Escape <laughs> Zone, then I did Cosmic Ambush, and now this. So you could, you could say I've done it three times, or, or it's evolved three times. But I it's only because I like that type of uh, mindless space shooting type action, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably um, vary it a bit. And maybe I'll do a platformer uh, next. But I can adapt that engine to use uh, to, to 
to work in the platform game. Obviously, I wouldn't need to scroll the whole screen uh, then, uh, whatever. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry meets Rupert. Well, Rupert, Rupert is actually getting a rehash. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't say too much about that. Uh, that will be a, a bit of a surprise. <laughs> I was going to yeah. ask you: Are you are you planning on releasing the uh, either the tile and or map editor for Gunstar afterwards, so people can make their own? Oh, look, I can. Um, I don't know if um, anyone's going to really find a use for it, other than uh, what do they want to do? Just create, I suppose, their own graphics yeah. and all that. I mean, that, it's possible. I mean, they're just basic programs. You just have to run it. But you do sort of have to understand once you've done the graphics, where do you put the graphics? So you've got to put it into the program and, you know, it's, it's not. It hasn't been designed to be a general purpose utility. It's been designed so that I can do the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's good. You'd have had a lot of progress in a very short time those last few weeks here. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I've had a bit of free time. Call it garbage. I think with just the uh, horizontal lines of color just to show that the scrolling was working with the score. And then, you know, um, later you've oh, got you oh, know, the previous maps, ones, you've got yeah. sound, and you've got, you know, sideways. Well, you, you tend to spend a lot of time uh, pre programming, in other words, developing a lot of the, the, the parts of the game which are going to be needed but you can't really see them in action until there's a lot of other pieces all brought together. Um, the scrolling, I mean, you only saw garbage initially, but that's because there was no tiles in there. So I had to create some tiles and then I had to create the map because it doesn't scroll the tiles, it scrolls the map. Uh, the map is, is built from the tiles. So there's, it, it's a bit of a, a chain. Um, you have to do a fair bit of uh, uh, groundwork before you get the results. So now we're finally seeing the results. I created the sound uh, routines. I created this, the graphics engine, but none of it could be really shown off until I got to a point where everything started to gel together. And that's what we're seeing now. Things are just gelling together and they're actually quite quick to just, just put together. So there's yeah. some, it's like building a ship, huh? Well, I've never built a ship, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's all this stuff in the background you have to do before you can get it to go. Well, I guess that's the case with everything, you know. Yeah. You're building a building. It's, yeah. You've got to do a fair bit of uh, construction, and you, it, it doesn't look like a building till a bit you know, later on where you think, oh, that's a building. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Nick, I got a question for you. Does your uh, new engine only go vertical, or do you have uh, uh, a way to make it move horizontal completely? I mean, not just like that little it, move. It can be adapted. Yes. Um, it, it, no, the overall uh, engine could go in any direction. Uh, cool. It's just that the area of memory that I'm copying to do the move is being has been done to be vertical because that's all I need, and. Um, you can actually see the horizontal when I shift left and right a bit. So right. it, is, it, it is actually shifting a bit. But yeah, for a game like Popstar, which is all horizontal, it, it could have been created that way. But I've sort of designed it to be specific to Gunstar 
because it, yeah, if, if I did it general purpose, it means there would have been a lot of redundant code in there if I don't use it, all the functions. So basically just trim it down to do just that to get the speed obviously but yeah if i do another game it's the same engine uh, i just have to change some bits so that it copies the memory in different directions and whatever nice it's it's not the 60 frames per second that i would have loved to have seen due to the the memory copies that have to go on but uh it's just the other advantages that i'm looking at is it the dual playfield capability you're talking about? That well, you, you you, well, you could fool people that it is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it works very much like like a dual dual playfield uh, machine, like um, a machine that would have like the Amiga has two separate, well, can have two or more, I think, playfields, and each playfield is independent of the other. Uh, that was one of the big things with the Amiga. So that's what this engine was basically trying to mimic. So once you got the engine done, then really programming it is is as if that hardware does exist. Yeah, it's the I same mean, the, thought process that that Sockmaster does for Donkey. Yeah, Kong. yeah, just like uh, yeah, like those um, trans codes. That's right. Yeah. It's the same code, the, the Donkey Kong code but he's had to provide uh, extra code to emulate the hardware that that code thinks it's talking to. Yeah. So effectively, that's what I'm doing, yeah. Anyway, any other questions or? <laughs> There's a time to flush the uh, core dump. Yeah, it's probably oh. time to hit that flusher. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but I do recommend the the, the blog and, and everybody check it out. Yeah, as I said, the the new the, the chapter eleven blog is up there. If anyone wants to see that video again, um, but I, I'll announce it on Facebook uh, after the show. And Paul Thayer is saying to eliminate the problem of the ship landing in the background, as you talked about. Uh, he would just outline the ship with black. I, 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 yeah. yeah, I did that, but the pixels, because it's such a lower res, I tried that, it, it, it really stands out. It's all right if it was a 320 by 200 res game, you could have a nice little fine black edge, but at the resolution that that game's at, you got these big ugly black dots going all the way around it. So I didn't think it looked, it looked ugly. Um, so I thought, okay, I'd, I'd rather just try and maybe play with the colors a bit better and change some of the colors so that they don't clash as much. Paul um, is saying uh, the temperament, the res resolution is the same and the sprites are all outlined as an example. But I think you... I'll have a look. Yeah, I, did, I did actually outline my spaceship and I... I, I think know, the thing it, with Timberman too, they're, they're bigger sprites. Like the, the your chopping character is quite a bit larger, so that it's not as blatantly blocky. Yeah, where well, you're doing a fairly smaller ship, so I think it would stand out a lot more in that. So mm -hmm. it's just aesthetics, it's whatever. It's also um, the first level is where you're flying over what's supposed to be uh, like a, a Earth city. So you're viewing a city from from the top, looking down on the streets and the, that. And there's a lot of greys and bright colours there which are clashing with your ship. 
the later levels will be darker. I think the second level will be in space, so it will be more black. And the next levels will be on the alien homeworld. So I want to give that a bit, bit more of a dark look. With that darker background, it doesn't, it's not so bad. It actually looks better with, with a dark black background. It's just on the first level where I've got a lot of brighter colours mm -hmm. that the colour is not, uh, the ship is not, is, is blending in with the background too much. So um, I'll see how I go. Hey, Nick, At the I moment. Think, I, I oh, was just going to say, I think you're going to start out with level two to give Steve a level of, uh, uh, did he achieve something? <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you could just start with level two and go back to one. It's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say send it to Steve just like the way it is now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Steve Stroh version. Well, 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 this is meant to be a bit of a mindless um, blaster, so <laughs> I'm... I don't think there's too much skill, just a matter of how fast you can press the fire button, I guess. And and Steve loves that, so I figured if Steve likes it and he can play it, then everyone, anyone can play it, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Are you going to publish Nick, a would... book of cheats? Oh, sorry. A uh, cheat? Are you going to publish a book of cheats? On or... how to play it or actual yeah. real cheats? Sorry, in... no, sorry. So we can, you know, have the machine gun go... Uh, constantly or something, or to have the new. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna fire fairly quickly as it is, so. So we don't yeah. need to cheat. I don't think so. You just have to slam that button as fast as you can. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> now, one one thing as far as cheats go, like one thing Chet did, did on his Digger Three is he actually has it as you complete each level, you get a code that you can then punch in if you want to jump to that level in a later game rather than have to go through the whole thing again. Are you? Yeah, yeah. After? I'll see. It all depends on how long the levels are. So. Nick, you did a good job up. with the you did a good job with the checkpoints in Popstar Pilot. Yeah, yeah, um, he has the checkpoints. That's right. Um, I will tell you something funny. I played Popstar Pilot in my living room, and I, I got up uh, once. I couldn't get to the computer, so it it was just the um, the level one was just going on without any input. It was actually getting pretty far. Level <laughs> you know, one is easy, actually. Level one. If you fly to the right, go a bit more to the right. Well, yeah, but I had, I had just left it right there, and I was thinking, well, if Stevie just left it in the corner, he might get, actually get the level two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you stop there, you're safe. The only thing you've got to worry about is that you're going to run out of fuel. So as long as you come down every now and then to pop a to collect fuel, that's it. Level one is done. And, I, and I've, I've always said that level one is the easy beginner's level. <laughs> but, but the greed, it's the greed that gets yeah, you. you that's get the thing. Balloon. It's the greed. And, and, and Steve, yeah, he when wants Steve, to shoot everything that moves. That's he it. wants to shoot everything. Which, uh, well, it, which is fair enough if you're when you get good at it, but yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I do. he forgot that step. <laughs> yeah, I that's right. So, really, level one is is um is a beginner's level. Level two, though, is very hard. Um, I should have made level two level three and brought level three to level two in hindsight, but oh well, yeah. Hey, you see, like you're about to, to, to fall out of the sky there because yeah. you run out of fuel. Yeah. There you go. Down you go. 
Same. <laughs> so well, thank you, Nick, for, for again bringing more Amiga features to the Color Computer Three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Before we get too far, just out of curiosity, uh, who on the panel is going to uh, is going to Coco Fest? I am. Okay, so we got Curtis, Tim, Brian, Mike, and I guess that's it. Tentative. Mark Ovalzer has his thumb up. Well, you know. <laughs> 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 he kind of stuck on it. Going. You can ask Mark any question, and he there is an yeah, there is al alternative yeah, alternative yeah ulterior Mark. motive for this question. Mark, you sending me a check? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And unfortunately, Bruce has already left, but he also gave us a video tonight to, um, as, a, as an advertisement for Cocoa Fest. I think before yep. it gets too late, we should, we should give that a look. Let's, let's, yes, uh, we should. Um, just to let you know, um, same thing. You're going to hear the audio, but you're not going to be able to see it unless you're going to watch on YouTube. Absolutely. Well, the audience will see it. And the audience will see the... it, yes. We will not. The 31 sad souls watching. Okie dokie. <laughs> so we're going to run that promo, and then uh, we'll come back. And uh, I don't know what, what else we want to discuss at that point. Uh, we can do some of the adver our uh, sponsors and maybe go on from there. Okay. All right. So here's, uh, here's Bruce Moore's. Unfortunately, he left already, but here's Bruce Moore's uh, contribution to uh, Cocoa Fest. growing stronger, Captain. Coming from a star system directly ahead. Coco Fest Make the trek To the place You belong Illinois Hair and point Make the trek Coco Fest Coco Fest, May 4th and 5th, 2019 in Lombard, Illinois. Make the trek. Touch the heron. Fascinating. <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty good myself. Yeah, I liked it. Yes. And I was, is that Bruce singing? That is Bruce yeah. singing. Oh, yeah. He's a professional singer. So. That's oh, right. I didn't know that. Good voice. Yeah, Rob, Rob, I'm in touch to her, and I thought that was funny myself, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that I'm, I'm around the wrong audience. You know what, though? It's funny you should mention the, um, yeah, you know what? I wish I, I didn't think of that. I don't, um, I don't have the, uh, the sponsor screen. No, that's okay. Um, actually, if. Curtis or somebody doesn't mind to just, um, oh, you won't have it. Sorry. I can queue it up. Keep, we can keep going. I'll, uh, keep, we'll figure something out. Okay. Hold on. You know about the response for the show, all the companies and stuff you mean? Yeah. I know. You know what? I don't have that slide where that's still. I'll grab, I'll just read it off from an older Coco Talk episode. I just have to queue it up. So, uh, I'll turn it over to uh, 
Nick Morota to stretch for time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional show. No, no pressure or anything, Nick. Go ahead. Nick, tell us about Maine. Maine. <laughs> actually, I want to get Maine going uh, this week with the Coco stuff, so I want to be able to play. Uh, watching Nick's uh, video there, uh, I want to play Popstar Pilot, and I'm going to want to play Gunstar when it's done, so i got to get Maine going. <laughs> well, you know, Ron, how did you, how did you make out with your Coco Pie the other night that you were updating? Did that work? Out? Oh, it worked perfect. Yeah, it took it was fifteen twenty minutes almost to update everything. Yeah, I think it was even it a did. longer than that. But it yeah. might have been. Yeah, but uh, yeah, everything's there and working. And went back to from the GUI to the CLI thing, and it worked good. Yeah, Excellent. it's working. Yeah, and you know what? I I can go on. Um, Arata.com or whatever it's called on that through um, DriveWire and uh, works pretty good. I was playing around with it. Has, uh, has Brett done the Cocoa 3 version yet or is it still Cocoa 1 and 2 modes at this point? I used Cocoa 2 on it. I think uh, I should try the 3 on, on the uh, Cocoa Pie and see if it works. So, I haven't tried it. Yeah, not, I know he's talking about doing a Cocoa 3 port like using the high-res modes and stuff, but I don't know if he actually got that done yet. So. I, I uh, tried it on my Coco 3 using uh, the drive wire, I think, if I remember correctly. It came up to the Areta screen and stopped. It, like, froze or something. I, oh, okay. Maybe something he can fix. But, the, you know, it looked much clearer than the Coco 2 version because of the fonts and all. And you're on RGB. You know. Right. Well... Uh, here is a professional show. <laughs> you got it. So, uh, want to thank the our friends at the Coco VGA project, CocoVGA.com. He's not here, but he is uh, grumpy and he trolls us from the balcony. Richard Lorbieski and BoysOnTech.com. Have you got your 6309 yet? You can get it from BoysOnTech.com. Speaking of trolls, Jim Brain and Retro Innovations for all of your retro needs. You can go to store.go, the number four, retro.com. Cloud9 Tech, uh, you know Mark, you know Cloud9. Go and uh, patronize his site, SDPAC, SDPAC.com. The Switcheroo with Coco Man, Jason Reichert, lets you go from RGB to composite with a flick of a switch. Roku, are we live on Roku, Rondovo? I can't tell you that, but um, most cases are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for nothing? That's fantastic. <laughs> Rondovo in the booth, always watching. <laughs> Executive producing. Uh, yeah. The Retro Swag, you can get your Retro Swag at 8big256.com. Mouse pads and uh, all sorts of good stuff you saw earlier on the show. I'm uh, CocoNut.com. Does that site still exist? Yes, it does. Uh, yep. That's Stevie Strobridge, uh, the host with the most. And the CocoCrew.org, the site that started it all, the podcast uh, with the uh, the mostest. I was trying to say the hostess with the mostest. Um, Extructus Productions, FD501.com, and the, uh, I was going to call him the Leonardo DiCaprio of the Coco community, but I meant to say Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci. <laughs> Ed, Ed Snyder, he, men want to want to be him, women want to be with him. 
uh, Ed Snyder at the Zipsters, zipsterzone.com where you can pick up your mega mini MPI if it's in stock. Andy, yes, Back DC. to you. Soldering irons fear him. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes ladies hold the hot part. <laughs> Only in commercials. Yeah. Ouch. Well, no, I don't know. I'm, we out have of, anything... I'm out of ideas, Curtis. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I, we're probably near the end of the show now because I think we've covered basically everything we wanted to cover. One thing I did want to ask this since our second week of doing uh, Cocoa Talk at its nighttime uh, time, and, and, you know, which is an experiment. Wow. Yeah, I just want to see what does everybody think of it so far? We've had a couple of weeks for people to get used to the fact the show has moved. Um, I don't know if Mark's been monitoring or if any of you have been monitoring exactly how many viewers we had live on YouTube to see what the numbers were like uh, to compare it with when we had it during the uh, afternoon for well, afternoon in North America anyway. So just wondering what it was feedback from you guys as far as having this permanently shift to the nighttime on, on Saturdays. I like it. Yeah, it's been fine uh, for me. I'm just thinking uh, we probably drop out all the European and English um, people because for them, it's like 12 midnight when the show starts. So I don't know whether we need to look at maybe putting the hour, the, the show an hour before, whether that's going to... Yeah, so that may just allow some of the European... Uh, audiences just to watch at least the beginning of the show because yeah, i remember simon mentioning it's something like two or three in the morning for him yeah well, yeah well that's right uh, i mean you're never going to satisfy everybody every time no you're not no no but i just thought whether we move the whether the show is moved an hour um two hours is probably a bit much um uh, an hour isn't going to make much difference for european time you know because it's it's still going to be really late and, yeah um, oh, well, we're rotating it yeah that's that's most of this yes like we don't have as many active we have some active people in the community in europe but they don't even when we had it at a different time they didn't too often show up on the show so it I'm would be kind of nice if you, something we pop it into the the daytime slot or maybe once every two months or something like make it a schedule so that they know ahead of time that we're gonna have an earlier show so they can make it on easier and, and yeah it would be kind of nice if we had some sort of regular you know once a month or once every other month whatever we decide we should probably tell steve we're getting lots of comments on youtube that this is a good time and mark did you get a chance to see what the viewership was like during the course of the show uh, no, I haven't kept track. I know it's 26 right now. I noticed it, it was, was in the 30s for quite a while. Was it? You started about 60, yeah. so excellent. Well, I think if it's been up in the 30s, I mean, that's that's usually at the high end of what the daytime shows. So I, I think this time is lots of success. We're definitely getting people on the panel. Yeah, it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. Yeah. I don't know if they're getting all the people, but no, I'm just kidding. During, during the day, during football season, I usually skip out and that during the night, I get here late, so <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Well, we're, we're getting more Australians. Is that good or well, bad? I'm trying to so, so, Yeah, so you are changing the times, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wonder if Ian Maverick knows about this show. He might be interested. He knows about in the show. He probably doesn't know about the time change. Well, if he's on Facebook, he should know because I mean, Steve has plastered all over the place, you know, for two weeks running. Mm. The times change, so and Breeza made it, so Breeza made it, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a midday for us in Australia, so that's fine. Sunday, for that matter, so it's fine. It's it's really just for the Europeans and for the Dragon users, say. Yeah, and that's where I think having a show once a month, or once every six weeks, or once every two months, or whatever, depending. And, and something on a fixed schedule, like say the second Saturday or second Sunday or whatever it is, just so that there's a, a fixed schedule that they can actually kind of plan on being on the show if they want to be. Yeah, I guess we'll be having a before dark episode. Yeah. <laughs> if you want more people on the show. After dawn. After dawn. If you want more people from the UK, you should rename the show Dragon Talk. Hey. Oh, we were talking about having a dragon segment. If we could get enough people to come on, that was the original time. That was it seemed to be a bit difficult. Now, now it's it's really difficult. So, well, there are several of us on the call who own dragons. Yeah, I, well, I would like to get the European perspective on that, since that's where it originated from. And plus, they've got you know the dragon alpha and some of these other prototypes out that we never did see here. So, it'd be nice to get them well, on. I don't but... think those were ever sold. There only maybe a couple. No, there were prototypes. Yeah. But there's also so much software development with the Dragon in the UK. There's hundreds of games that we never saw on the Coco. I mean, some of them are starting to get ported over now that uh, would, and even some you know, business software and other things that I would love to be able to see and hear from the perspective of the people that actually used it back in the day. So I'd love to be able to have a show that it is arranged that we can have them on at a time that's decent for them. Um, sure. So yeah, I, I, I agree with Robert Sieg in the, in the chat uh, that Aussies make, actually make the game, so we set the time slots for them. <laughs> Is there a limit to the number of uh, people who can connect on this Zoom channel? If there is, we haven't hit it yet. Pretty high. <laughs> there is, but I think it's yeah, a couple like A hundred or something, isn't uh, it? I think it was a hundred. Uh, yeah, they have different yeah. tiers depending on how much you're paying for it. I think it's a hundred for the tier we're on right now. Yeah. Didn't we have 20 on? Today? Yeah, we had more than 20 on last week, too, I think, for, yep. for a bit. We, we had a brief uh, sighting of uh, Mr. Marty Goodman popped in. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah. For about three minutes. Well, as long as he feels welcome. So we didn't, we didn't scare him away, too, last week. Well, maybe if we said his name more, like uh, Mr. Morota. It'll be great. <laughs> it would be great if we can get both Marty and uh, Dennis on at the same time. That would be a, a great session. They talked about it on the interview with Marty. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll call him. I'll, uh, <laughs> last time I got him on. I'll be executive producer Ron Delbo's job. Yeah, I'll see if we twist some arms. Um, Dennis just uh, finished restoring a harpsichord or something. Yeah, yeah plus he was doing work in his house too, so... And it's still winter in Vermont, so. Yeah. If winter. we uh, want to attract more uh, dragon people to this show, we might want to uh, spend a little time advertising over on uh, some of the dragon forums. Yeah. I, I went well, actually I went to the, I went to the dragon place and asked you guys, I said, you guys should come over on our show. I left a message for them on dragon. 
Yeah, and Stevie's advertising the show as to what time it is. I think we just have to actually start talking directly to them a bit and see if we can encourage them to come on. And if we do it on a set schedule, then maybe that makes it a bit easier because maybe they're not sure when we're on, et cetera. What were you holding we up, have... Mikey? What's that? Mikey, what was he holding up? I don't know. Something from Radio Shack. Yeah, it's, just, it's an old oh. Archer package. I was, uh, I was muted. Uh, I picked this up uh, at some point. It's a joystick, joystick. potentiometer. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's basically the inside of a Black Beauty, but you could buy it as a as a separate part for a grand total of, what is it, $4 and something? Four forty nine. So, yeah. I, nice. I ran across this today and thought you guys would like to see, might like to see it. <laughs> Interesting. Look what I ran across today. It's a this cleaning kit. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Any other finds or acquisitions this week by anyone? I also found this four-in-one uh, Infocom sampler. Yeah, that's one of the ones I found in my collection too. I was going to upload it to the archive because I don't think it's actually on there. Yeah, but there's nothing on the Coco side of the disc. I haven't tried. I have the uh, Coco version of it. Yeah, it has the. Uh, it's both sides. It's a. It's a weird looking disc. It has. Um, Uh, let me load up something here. It has uh, the cocoa is on the back side of the disc. If you can tell, you see the. It has. Um, it's the back side it's, of the uh, disc. Mm-hmm. It's blowing out the Front sensor. MS DOS. Can't see it. Okay. It's a single sided disc, huh? Yeah. It has no um, s- s- things on the side. What do you call them? Notches. Notches. Yeah. No notches. So you can't read right to it unless you modify your drive. Yeah. Or play yeah, I wonder why it doesn't show no, up. Because there's no index hole on the other side. Is that why? Take a look at the front of the disc. Oh, yeah. You're right. Well, no. Yeah. Got to use a hole punch. Yeah, unless you have a double-sided drive, but I don't think they would have written it for that. So. No, you need a flippy drive to be able to read the back side of that. Okay. But I, but I do have a disk image of that I'll be putting in the archive eventually here once I cool. finish my personal archiving, which is, I got a good start on it, then I got busy with other stuff for this trip, so I haven't been able to get back to it. Yeah, I have a flippy drive somewhere in the house. It used to be in the living room. I have to look for it. Yeah, I have a um, clear plastic um, guide. Template. Template. Template, yeah. Yeah, that was one way to do it. And then I had a friend who made us a bunch of them out of metal. He used a piece of sheet metal, like aluminum or something, and bent it over. And it just fits on the corner of the floppy. And we used a little silver, um, not a regular pencil, but like a colored pencil, a silver colored pencil. And we'd mark our little holes. And then we just use a hole punch and punch them out. And then I even have one of those red ones that the Commodore people would use and the Apple people. Because the Commodore didn't need to punch the index hole, only the right protect notch. And I think the Apple was the same. I think the Apple did that too, give soft sector or whatever the, it didn't actually use the index hole. Yeah, the Apple soft sector, so it's a Commodore. So my Model 1, since they were single-sided mostly, and, my, and the original Coco before you could get double-sided drives for it, 
Um, we did a lot of that. So a lot of my kids get depressed and double-sided. And we used to think we were pulling a deal by buying single-sided floppies and punching the holes to make them double-sided because we thought we were pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. But as it turned out, they made all the floppies the same way, and it was just a matter of when they verified the diskettes, did they verify them single or double-sided. And most of the, for the single-sided diskettes, they only bothered to check one side. They never even checked the back side. So it's like, old, it's like that old rumor that 32K Cocos had half bad 64K chips. Can we talk about this stuff without David Ladd? <laughs> Is that allowed? <laughs> Somewhere? Floppy talk. <laughs> oh, I just like to break things. Yeah. We don't have that soundboard. Anyway, uh, I don't I have anything have... else to talk about unless somebody else has some last minute story they want to bring up. Well, I don't know. I found a box. I said last week I found a box of cocoa stuff and actually sold a few things out of it. So uh, Mark bought my sound, speech sound pack, and I sold um, my, uh, my Disto RS-232 pack. Uh, I forget to who. Uh, and he's going to use it to uh, run a bulletin board on the cocoa. So that helps other people. And... Um, but I found it, but there was a joystick in the box and I've been looking for over a year to find, try to find my joysticks. So I found oh. a Black Beauty. I got something for you guys. If you uh, decide you want to start going online with your Coco, there's uh, Coco BBS that I started and uh, you can find it on Facebook. And uh, I've included a whole bunch of different items on there that pertain to getting online. Try it out. Cool. Have you got any BBSs on it that are actually running on Cocos, or are they all PC style ones so far? What do you mean? It's the it's not BBS. it's not a BBS. Uh, all it is, like I put some files up there. They have lists of uh, BBSs you can go to and tell it to and stuff. That, oh, and okay, it's so it's, it's, a, it's a listing of BBSs That's, you can get to. It's info about going online, not so much about having a BBS. There Although is you could, you could put that on there if you want to. There is one Telnet BBS that's running uh, that's up there. It's Neil Blanchard, actually, that has one that actually yes. runs on a Coco. Yep, he does. It's, uh, what's the name of it? Internal Affairs. Yeah, internalaffairsbbs.com. Now, is that actually being run on a Coco? Yes. I don't... Yes. Is it? What software is he using? I thought he was running it on know. a PC. Yeah, I thought he was running on a PC, too. Hmm. Thought he thought that was his old BPS that he ran on the PC originally. Well, then maybe I misunderstood, but I well, I just looked, and it was Neil Blanchard that bought the Disto pack from me, and he said he wanted to use it to run a BBS on a Coco. Oh. I mean, there'd be no other use for it. Yeah, but I'm not sure if that's the BBS he's running currently at this point, because I thought he was running a, a PC one too. Oh. Well, I found a copy of Color 80 BBS, which was an old. Coco BBS, but I don't know how. Yeah, that's when Bob Rosen ran, wasn't it? Well, he called. Well, okay, this is separate from his. He ran the Rainbow bulletin boards. He originally called his bulletin board Color Eighty, but then Lonnie got Bob to run um, uh, the Rainbow bulletin boards, and we had four Model Threes in his uh, dining room running the the Rainbow. 
GBS is on using the two GBS software. But I mean, yeah, I know there's, there's multiple BBSs on the archive, like the AlphaSoft OSN level two BBS, which is even multi-user where you can chat between users. That's probably better. This was something written in, in RSDOC, a very okay. early BBS for the Coco. Neil splash screen says renegade MS DOS BBS. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So probably not, doesn't have the Coco version up. Yeah. I do know somebody a couple months ago did briefly put one up as a test and it did work through Telnet. It was running on an actual Coco. Set Alan. Might've been. Yeah. How do you get, do you know how, um, like if you were to start a BBS and you wanted people to tell me to it, do you have to talk to your provider to get them to have a channel open like 23 so that you can have people come to it? How does that work? Not in most cases, usually the ports are open. The main thing is most people have dynamic IP addresses, so it might change. But if you use something like no IP, you can get it to dynamically update, so you give the domain name. Yeah, it'd be much easier to do with a static IP. If, if well, for instance, I have, I have hemigraphics.com. I, I, I can't tell them it to my uh, website there, can I? I mean, yeah, it doesn't... tell that server running on there in order for you Right, to that's the question I had. So... Where does the Telnet server come from? Your provider, or do you have to put it there? It's a process that runs on the machine that does the host. So you, how do you? Host you have to run on your own machine. Yeah. yeah. So what? What is your? What is your, uh, your? How is your website hosted? Is it a shared host? It's on uh, Google or on um, uh, GoDaddy. GoDaddy. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's probably a shared, shared host. So I have to go to GoDaddy and have them add the software to for my cubbyhole? If it's a shared server, yeah. If it's a virtual server where you have control of it, you can put on whatever you want. They'll charge you for it. Yeah, probably. But they might not let you because Telnet's insecure. So. Hey, Ron, do you, have you had any problems with GoDaddy with their email? No, I don't have any email through them. Hmm. No, don't, don't do it. I host my band site through them and their email just does not work at all. Huh. And from what I from what I found out is there's a lot of the other ISPs are actually blocking GoDaddy's email servers because they're full of spam. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. I've had GoDaddy since day one, way back. And I, I moved out here and then I realized that they were here. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. So Steve Bjork's not with us tonight, is he? I was hoping to catch him. Um, years ago, right. years ago yeah. when I moved to moved to California, uh, I joined a a, cocoa, a fairly large cocoa group in Southern California. Steve used to uh, come to some of the meetings, and once he announced that uh, if you had an original Sands of Egypt disc to bring it to the next meeting and he would put music on it. So I did that. Unfortunately, I sold all my Coco stuff years ago. So when you load up the game, it actually plays music for about, oh, I don't know, about a minute and a half or so. Uh, and I haven't been able to find that online anywhere. I wanted to ask him if he had a recording of that music. Um, I have to try to catch him the next time I can make it because uh, I, I don't think anybody Anybody I've asked has, has never heard this, so it might be pretty interesting for folks to hear. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah, if he still has it, because he had uh, some of his stuff stolen from the storage unit years ago, so some stuff he's he's lost himself. Oh, no. Mm. That's bad. One time he was talking about uh, 
equipment he used to program on, which was an interesting thing to hear. Talking about that Coca 3 repack that he had in the PC case? Mm -hmm. I think that was the one that got stolen. Yeah, that's what got stolen. That was one of the things that got stolen, and it had the source to a lot of his games on it. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Because it had like a hard drive in it. And that was way, way before they had all of these uh, version control uh, systems in place. Way before. Yep. You know, I wondered about, um, you know, the, the source to games like that. You would think that if he did stuff for different game companies or even Tandy, that they would have copies of all that stuff. And Some of them would, but I mean, Steve did sell a lot of his stuff through SRB later on, like his own company, basically. So, oh. uh, some of the stuff from DataSoft and stuff, yeah, they might have. My mind, DataSoft's not around anymore either, so I, don't, I have no idea what happened to their source code. <clears throat> yeah, but even even Out Loud said that the Sierra didn't keep copies of the source code. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he was trying to sell the source that they he just took from them, and then they kind of got yep. the lawyer on him and said no. <laughs> hmm. What was so, this? Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What was the small screen you had, Mike? Oh, uh, so uh, I uh, found this uh, my parents' house. This is a pocket television, <laughs> and I have it hooked up to the Dragon. Uh, this isn't this isn't the software I want to demo. I can't get it to load. But Flappy uh, Bird or whatever the clone was. Flappy Bird. Yeah. I can't doesn't play that well with the keyboard. Oh, I just keep dying. But uh, <laughs> it's a fan screen. Can't get past level one. That's, that's your screen now. Pro emulation. Right? I wanted to show a different demo. It's a <laughs> So maybe Stevie Stroh telnetted into your, your game there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great but it's idea. Kind of, I it's kind of like, oh, I'm playing, you know, playing a game on a three-inch screen. On the... Mikey, hook that up to your MC10. It's the perfect screen for him. <laughs> okay. Not the right yeah. size. There you go. Tiny screen uh, for a tiny computer. Sure, my I actually got one of those. Box. No, it, it's actually bigger than the MC10, so it's no good. No Velcro or Retro Pi to it, and uh, a Raspberry Pi to it, and you have a portable cocoa. I have a small screen that opens up like a clamshell, and you look in at the mirror to see the, the screen. It's <laughs> way back, old. Or that isn't a makeup contact? It's a Casio. <laughs> yeah, like it looks the video like game it. cabinets with the mirror. They have the yeah. CRT at an angle. Yeah. They had TVs based on that years ago. Yeah, actually, if you, if you look at the TV TVs. inside, it's, it's backwards. <laughs> at Zebra, we had one of the Sinclair little TVs, and we hooked it up to a, a Timex 1000. We thought that was very apropos. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody ever hook up their TV to one of those large screen curved ones with the three large red, green, and blue guns? Oh, like an old, like an old projection Front screen. Front projectors. Yeah. Projector. Yeah. Those things would put off some heat. Oh yeah. And it, um, it looked... I, I saw an Amiga hooked to one on a, at a bar. They had yeah. <laughs> it was displaying pictures of the patrons. Yeah. But that's uh, the only one I've seen. Well, that was that Laserdisc. They actually had that in the arcade. Um, there was a Laserdisc game called Mad Dog McCree. That was a projection screen. And it ran on an Amiga 500 hooked to a Laserdisc player. There's a video up on YouTube of some guys 
at a football stadium we're playing video games on the big big screen up on in the in the stadium it looked pretty funny oh cool <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that they were playing they were playing super mario kart yeah, yeah exactly yeah. They, they're flying over a helicopter and they're <laughs> they're videoing these guys playing video games i, I was <laughs> playing my coco on our church's uh 10 foot by 18 foot screen <laughs> it was awesome. It was really cool. I put up uh, ease of use on it. A few years ago, I posted a message. We have a mailing list in our, our neighborhood, and I posted a message to see if anybody had any old computers that they wanted to get rid of, hoping I could score either a Coco or you know something really good. And one lady replied that she used to be an Amiga employee, and she had an old Amiga system she didn't want. So... I went over, picked it up, and it was got boxes of floppies. I think it was a it was a 500, um, one or two floppy drives, a mouse. Um, I don't remember if it came with a monitor, but anyway, you know, just for a simple email, it was a pretty good setup, and it had an add-on cartridge, RAM cartridge, that you plugged into the side, kind of like the Coco ROM pack, but it was to expand the RAM on the Amiga, and. On that cartridge was the social security number of R.J. Michael, who was one of the, I forget, he was one of the designers of the Amiga, uh, not the Amiga, I think it was the OS, he was one of the coders. So she told me that and she said, look, this actually belonged to R.J. So anyway, I scraped that off because, you know, there's no point in getting that thing uh, circulated around. And then I ended up donating it. I plugged it in, it worked, it booted. Uh, a lot of the disks didn't work, which makes sense. But I donated it to a local Amiga group, so that was pretty yeah, cool having a real piece of Amiga history. With you know there, those RAM expansions were called sidecars. Okay, thank you. It might also have been a hard drive, depending. Yeah, they the, some of them had the the hard drive and the RAM expansion in the right. same. Right, in the same unit. It fit on the left side of the machine. It's basically the same connector on the right side of a 1000, it's just upside down. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And now they have an accelerators you can plug into there that um, kick, a, kick an Amiga up pretty good. And it has, well, it's not an Amiga uh, chat, but there's so much cool stuff that they're putting yeah. on. The, the fastest ones I've seen is the, the Vampire and it fits internally. Yeah. Right, the vampire. It plugs into the CPU. But individual uh, computers has one called the ACA. Yeah. And the 12, something that's in the side, and it gives you um, the equivalent of a Coco SDC. Um, it upgrades the OS. You can have different OSs and select them from a menu. It, it's really neat what it does. It has a lot of neat. It almost totally transforms the computer into a new, more modern machine. Did you guys see my cryogenic cocoa? It went up to 500 megahertz in my mind? Yes. <laughs> in your mind? <laughs> Does that have anything to do with legalizing weed in your state or something? Uh, <laughs> could. Could be. More like peyote in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I said in the chat earlier that should be one of um, uh, oh God, Coco Man's next products. It's a weed-based peripheral for the cocoa so that you can see 256 colors. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. 
Yeah. What would we call it though? I guess it would have to have an Australian name. The Ramaroo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I better be off, guys. Yeah, well, I think the show's pretty well wound up anyway. We're just kind of yeah. chatting at this point. All right. So might as well do the official yeah. outro. Yeah. Well, All wanna... right, then. I'll see you next week, eh? All right. Yep. All right. Next. You want to do, right. do See you later. Bye. Bye. Demo, man. No Bye, problem. Nick. Bye. Bye, Nick Nick. You want to do a quick <laughs> break and then we'll do parting thoughts and uh, yeah, yeah. Do the guys, do the guys who've been in chat and all that. Got to play the outro for a half hour. Do you have the outro? Yeah, because we're already at three hours right now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. All right, we'll do another commercial break and then we'll be back for for parting thoughts. All right. Okay. Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Google3scartcable.com Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. We me turn you to call, call, talk. I tell you, if Elliot's parents knew what he was actually up to. <laughs> Demo that I wanted to play earlier. I am cat. Can't hear the sound. Ah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's yes, why they call it. Sorry. That's why they call it the color computer. Yeah, that actually runs on the Coco One and Two and the Dragon too. That particular demo. It's not even Coco Three. Oh, I'm I'm running it on the Dragon. Yeah. I had to do. Man, I should stop this thing. I keep watching it. <laughs> okay, bye. Are we entertained? <laughs> aren't we all though, right? Because we're all here. Aren't we all easily easily entertained? Yeah. Bunch of simpletons. We're playing all the same games we played hundreds of times. Uh huh. Oh, we got new ones coming out. I mean, look at all the ones that Paris Rat and them are doing. I mean, you've got seventy new ones for us to play. Now. That's right. And they all work on the dragon, so we've what, got what, something in common. What was the name of the Robotron game for the Coca? Ro Robotech. Yeah, so... Robotech's one. There's another one, too, a more obscure one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah. There, there was two. Ro Robotech wasn't quite a, a perfect clone. It had graphics that looked the same, and the gameplay was similar, but like the... the yeah, the indestructible hulks, hulks weren't indestructible. Yeah, the hulks <laughs> weren't indestructible. Yeah, so when I when I moved to California, I stayed with some friends for I think three or four months while I was looking for a job, and I got my my the people who were hosting me uh, my friend hooked 
on the game. But what we did is, you know, because it needed two joysticks, one to sh move the shooter, one to move the man. So he and I, we each took a joystick and we started playing the game that way, the tag team. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Took a lot of different, different kind of coordination though, because you were used to doing it, you know, with uh, both joysticks. Yeah, yeah, that was duplicating the arcade because the arcade used the two joystick thing too. So, yeah, that was one of my favorite arcade games. Yes, I agree. Me too. Almost got a million on it once. Whoa. I had one in the arcade where I worked. I used to play it all the time. Actually, got the source code for that. I suppose that's one benefit of the emulators is when you get tired, you can just save the state and then continue. Continue later where you left off. Yep. At the the Amiga and Commodore Commodore sixty four emulator, you can save uh, save your state. I was talking a little bit about uh, that with Chet Simpson. See if we could implement that in future versions of VCC. Somebody Senate. needs to save New York State. <laughs> I would just to mention your I just found it on my webpage. But the other uh, Robotron clone was called Cyborg Wars from Bumblebee Software, and okay. it was a Who? mode one one. Uh, who who made the the first one Robotac? Intracolor. Anybody remember? Oh. Intracolor. Yeah. Intracolor. Cyborg Wars was by who? Uh, Bumblebee Software. It's actually on my game site if you want to take a look. Tom, so Tom, we don't have the official outro, so that this is the uh, closing period, right? I have no. I have the, the the outro for for the for the show. I do have it. Okay, do we want to play the outro and then uh, we'll come back for final thoughts? All right, if you want, yeah, you want to do it backwards? Okay. But I think that's how we usually do it. That's right? how we usually do it. It's the, the, the never-ending show, so we're always, we always come back. <laughs> then, then, you, then you guys know more about this than I do, and it's funny because I watch it too, but I don't know, maybe Paul Thayer is right where he made a comment about up. going to sleep before. <laughs> so, all right, hang Just on. go with the flow. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, Click on the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, and many, many more. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and to Brian Joyce, Ken Reichert, and Rob Inman for all of their bonus content and contributions, as well as Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com. Get your own switcheroo and wallaby cable at cocoman.biz. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech. 
www.cocotalk.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts, and producers Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux, and Jason Reichert. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. talk forever and we're back and we're okay. back i want to thank some of the folks in the live chat since our last update uh we've got the nick marota mark overhaul the bill noble fedor steeman we've had some uh funny comments uh, ken reichert uh rob inman ken reichert nick marota uh paul thayer had some good comments thank you paul adam coolidge eric canales Talking about dithering and uh, uh, translucency. Curtis Boyle, Paul Thayer, Vocal Studio says, "Do it live. If you can't be having tell, uh, if you couldn't tell, that's what we're doing." And then there's a lot of uh, touching of the heron. <laughs> uh, thank you, Cranky sixty five, Robert Sieg. And if I didn't. Um, find you in the chat. Uh, thank you as well. Anyone else uh, that joined uh, on the panel? Al Joyzy Hartman. Al, uh, have a good night. Bill Noble, James Diffendapper, and uh, oh, I don't have my soundboard. Here we go. It's not working. I don't have it on. But you'll hear a train soon enough. <laughs> Tim Franklin, thanks for joining. Tony Cappellini. Uh, Mikey, Mike Furman, Brian, thank you. Uh, Mark O, Mark B, Ron D, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, our engineer, Tom C, and last but certainly not not least, uh, L. Curtis Boyle. Good night, everyone. Though I do have the other alternative Robotron screenshot up if you want to take a quick look. And see what oh, cool. Yeah, well, that's another 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It never ends, so I, I have to continue. <laughs> do you need a do you need a screen share? Curtis? Yeah, please. Tom, do you have the opening to Coco Talk after after dark? No, I don't have that yet. Okay. Isn't this the point where we uh talk about what time after dark's gonna be? Four AM. Sometime later. The worst color mode they could have chosen. Yeah. Mm. Yet, ironically, it, it used the two joystick controls, but it did actually have indestructible hulks where you couldn't destroy them. So it was actually closer in gameplay to the original arcade. Cool. Did it have uh, brains? I think it did on the later levels. I mean, that's what, the third or fourth level, I think, of the yeah, arcade? Yeah, something like three or four levels in. Yeah. 
Very interesting. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it's a bit of a rare one. I don't know if that one's like up in the archive or not. Coco Truck 2084. <laughs> well, if we, if the show goes on any longer, we'll we'll meet that date. Coco <laughs> All of our great grandchildren will be running the show. <laughs> I also <laughs> forgot to thank Rick Adams as well as Dr. Martin Goodman. Uh, and who else was on earlier that Bruce uh, popped off? Bruce Moore. Bruce, Bruce Moore. Moore. How could we forget? Yeah. Uh, I changed my name to W. Rondo. W. Rondo. <laughs> <laughs> we also had uh, Coco Man was here. Grant Lee Thank was you. here. Yeah, Grant Lee was here. For a bit, Stevie Strobridge. Stevie Grant Leedy. Some guy named Stevie Stroh. John Laurie. Oh, yeah. John Laurie. Thank you. Yeah. And I would also like to take the time again to thank everybody on the panel for, again, taking care of the show and making this relatively easy for me to do. Special thanks to um, Rob for helping host and Curtis for host, uh, co-hosting and taking care of the news. Um, it just makes it easy for me to do this when I have to. You know what I mean? So I do appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. Good job, guys. Good night, everyone. All right. All right. Press the button. You bet. All right. All right. Good night, John.